0: Welcome to Adventure Rider Radio Raw, a roundtable style spin-off from Adventure Rider Radio that we do each month about motorcycle travel. And on this episode of Raw, episode 94, we're talking about motorcycle travel without the cash in hand. And what do you do for emergency preparedness for a motorcycle adventure? All that and more coming up. Before we get going, I wanna give a shout out to someone who's helped the show incredibly this past month with support of $50 or more. And that is John Sirabasi from Emmaus Moto Tours. It's great to have people that appreciate what we're doing and show that by supporting the show Now, it doesn't have to be $50, but anything $50 gets you a shout-out like I just did for John there. Anything $10 or more gets you a sticker. Anything It it just sort of goes up from there. But anyway, drop by our website at VentureRiderRadio.com. Click on support. We'd really appreciate it if you would consider our patron option so that you can be there each month. And it doesn't have to be much. Think about the enjoyment you get from the two shows that we do, Adventure Rider Radio and Raw. And then think about what you spend on a cup of coffee or those, you know, those small incidental things. And just... You know, consider supporting we, we'd really appreciate it and and we love having you here each week to listen to Adventure Rider Radio and each month to listen to our Raw show and we put a lot of work into it in the background so if you appreciate it We would appreciate it if you would drop by the website and click on support. Now, just in case, Raw is a new discovery for you. The other show that I've just mentioned, Adventure Rider Radio, that's the flagship show. It comes out every week, every single week. We've been doing it for coming up on 10 years now. There's always different topics that we're talking about, different people on the show, and uh, it's extremely popular, again, at our website or anywhere you find podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Fresh Tracks. Fresh Tracks provides team-building programs for companies and groups FreshTracks.co.uk. Now here we go, Adventure Rider Radio Raw for November 2023. Is anyone not prepared? Oh, prepared? Do we have to? I What? Is it really
1: unscripted? Uh Recorded live from the
0: New West Media Studio, deep in the wild forests of North America. This is Adventure Rider Radio Raw. Roundtable discussions about motorcycles, travel, and anything else that crosses our mind. Completely unscripted, raw, and personal. My name is Jim Martin, and today, the virtual roundtable afforded through the magic of the internet, I am joined by my... Well, most of my regular esteemed Overland co-hosts, but first we have a couple of guests and I'm going to start there. They're no stranger to Adventure Rider Radio Raw. They've been on both before. It's Peaky Peaky Overland's Mickness and Elsavi. Hello, you guys.
2: Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for inviting us.
0: Oh, it's nice to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. I know it was sort of a thing for you because you had to go out and what'd you do? You had to get headphones?
2: Yeah, I had to get headphones. <laughs> so,
0: right.
2: <laughs> right. Just, it was either there, it was really wrong.
0: But you said you left them at home, and I'm thinking, what do you what do you mean you left me at home? Because exactly, what is home? Where are you right now?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. We actually it, normally, if we talk about home, we, we get confused ourselves. So, no,
0: <laughs> so where are you? <laughs> <right?
3: laughs> <laughs> well, currently the bikes are in. Well, the two that we've been recently riding is in Texas, but we are back in South Africa. So we arrived uh, back in South Africa about two weeks ago. Um, and yeah, the headphones he's talking about got left in Johannesburg at my mom's place. And we're currently in Cape Town.
0: Oh, I see. So it's a good thing you don't actually say, you know, I'll meet you at home one time, you no, know, and the next thing you know. One e- yeah, somebody ends up in Texas, somebody ends up in South America, mm-hmm. somebody ends up in South Africa. I mean, you never know.
2: Well, There's a benefit to it. If people call us as friends, and say, like, oh, you're down. Yeah, sure. I'm at home. And up, up in London, is like, but you're not here. No, but you're sitting home. It's <laughs> true, you're always home.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's bring in the others. Now, I was going to go to Michelle. Now, Michelle Lamphere is not in South Dakota. She's cruising around on a ship still, and we're having some connection issues. So we might get her to come in, so we'll, we'll just wait for Michelle. But Sam Manicom is sitting with a blanket wrapped around him in the UK because it's not supposed to be as cold
4: as what it actually <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, but I'm, I'm African, aren't I? You know, I feel the cold. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. right. You see, once you... Once you've been brought up in a place like that, you're always looking for the sunny side of the street, except for when it's over 40 degrees Celsius.
0: So does that mean you just accept the fact that it's cold and you don't bother turning on the heat because it, you're cold anyway and that's just the way you do it? Or is it just because you don't want to spend the money on the well, heat?
4: Well, if it gets really cold, then um, I can save on gym membership and on the heating costs because I just rub two sticks together and, you know, before too long, I get quite a bit of warmth going.
0: Man, you are a smart guy. That's that's incredible. I'm always amazed how how just ingenious you are with these little things.
4: I, I don't think ever, anybody's ever called me smart. Tight, yes, but not smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, <whatever. laughs> no, well, I mean, actually, it's not that bad here. But um, it's at that edge, you know, where, where you're sort of thinking, shall I put the heating on or shall I leave it for a bit longer? We're right at that yeah. stage, and um, yeah, I, I can't be asked. So at the moment, the heating is off, and um, it's fine. But I've got an extra layer on um and i have actually got a fleece blanket over my laps but it's a nice cheerful colour so that's all right i tell you what this month has blasted by it's really good to be back with everybody um raw and on the sh- on the show and and listeners too um it's yeah it's just zipped on past i can't believe it it feels like 5 minutes what,
0: you mean, like for you in particular, over and above how your normal months are?
4: <laughs> it's been a little bit busy. Of course, I mean, last time I was getting over COVID, wasn't I? So um, that um, added in a little bit of jet lag with, um, with Workwise. And that just means that it's stacked up a little bit. But um, that's fine. I am on it. And
0: well, and um, just when we were in the green room, we, we could see in your face that you're over COVID. Everyone can hear it in your voice you've made this miraculous recovery from
4: it. <laughs> what do you mean my my sense of humor has got really bad again?
0: Just your your words are formed properly now, not like last month. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh dear. I tell you, can I just say something? Um By the time this show's aired, um, the UK's biggest motorcycle show, all nine days of it, will be about halfway through. And I've had so many messages from Adventure Rider Radio and Raw listeners saying they're going to look out for me at the show. So um, yeah, brilliant. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody. And um, hopefully we'll get time for some photos and things like that and we'll, we'll post them as we're going along. Um,
0: yeah, now but, when is that? I forgot. That's, that's coming up real soon.
4: Yeah, that starts on Saturday the 18th and runs right the way through until um, Sunday the 26th.
0: Um, right, okay. So, so it's going to be done. By the time we're, we're, anyone's hearing this right now, it's it's already over and you've been there and you've had fun. So how was it, Sam? <laughs> it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. <laughs>
4: and can I just thank how many Adventure Rider Radio Raw listeners <laughs> <to laughs> popped over to say hello. Um, it's, you know, I'm in a perfect spot too Between BMW, Royal Enfield and the toilets Wow <laughs> which, fortunately, which fortunately has the bar right next door to it So um, somebody said to me Oh goody, happy hours on you then Right, okay So I'm so <laughs> glad now this show's not going to be in time <laughs>
0: Somehow I think the bar was a much greater influence than the washroom or BMW That's for sure Well, let's uh, bring in Shirley Hardy-Ricks and Brian Ricks. They're in, I think, they're in Australia. I mean, I think you guys are there, aren't you? Good morning.
5: Yeah. We don't go anywhere
1: anymore. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, good morning. Shirley, you go first.
5: Oh, good morning. Yes, we're here.
6: (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: it's a beautiful day. There is not a cloud in the sky. Um, I didn't take a bike out yesterday, but I've got to say, um, I had a really bad week last week. Oh. I had to... um, you know what it's like when you bring up your children, you nurture them, and you make sure they're right for the world and all the rest of it? I had to sell off two of my children last week,
0: uh, which was no. really,
1: sad, <laughs> really did, sad. Did you
0: get a good buck for them?
1: Yeah, yeah, the TT600, I got a, a fair price for that, and I sold off a Kawasaki GTR, so I got uh, a fair price for that. So what? it was really sad last week.
0: Well, what happened, uh, Brian? I mean, are you stuck for space in the shop?
1: Um, no, I've had to make room for something else. So. <laughs> Uh-oh. Something Uh-oh. else?
0: Okay, uh, so, so uh, here's my guess. Brian, can I, can I just guess? I just want to guess. Yeah, go. It's a six-wheel drive man truck that's retired <laughs> from the, the Dakar. And you're doing it up to go overlanding so you and Cheryl can travel in comfort
1: and take some bikes. Eh? Uh, no, oh. no, 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 no. I'm actually looking at, and I've, I'm going to go and get it as soon as we get off this, i have got hooking up the trailer and going to go and get it, is a V-Strom 650, uh, uh, a smaller bike.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: Nice. Yeah. No,
6: and good and
1: uh, the reason is because uh, we've got our dear friend Michelle coming out and I thought it would be a perfect bike for her to be able to putter her around on. they A damn good bike, great engine. And it's something that I like, enjoy riding too, mid-sized bike like that. They're a damn good thing. They are. So um, Everybody seems to love them. You you
0: don't hear anything bad about the Vs from
1: 650. No. All the guys I know that um, uh, are riding into motorcycling, uh, journalism, that sort of stuff, freaking near one of the best motors that uh, has been produced and really cheap and easy to maintain. So, yeah, I thought I'd uh, I'd try one and see what they're like. Yeah. This one's – it's only got 29,000 Ks on it, and wow. so it's, uh, it's in uh, uh, it's a 2015 model. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it's like.
0: So what's the other one that you're getting?
1: It um, hasn't. I haven't told you yet.
5: I love love when you do this, Brian.
4: This is great. We knew that was coming. He waits until we're recording the show, and then he can slip it in.
0: (laughs) He feels safer with all of us here. He does. does.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's a shame you had to to sell a couple of bikes, I feel, for you there. It's terrible. I mean, I'm sure you don't notice it in the field there with the the other bikes, but... But still, just knowing they're off the roster must be a, a little bit of a drag. But you've got the V-Strom, so that's great. You've got something new. And you've got some other bike that you haven't told truly about yet that you're going to get.
7: <laughs> All great stuff. Let's bring in Grant.
0: Grant Johnson is in British Columbia, Canada. Hello, Grant.
7: Hello, everybody. Good to be back. And I almost wasn't back today because we've had a week of rain and horrible weather, just ugly And I'm looking outside now and it's absolutely spectacularly beautiful, clear, crisp fall weather. The leaves are just falling. It's gorgeous. I want to go for a ride. (laughs) But of course, you're devoted.
0: You know, you want to be here with your friends. So you passed up the ride to come here. (sighs) Ah,
7: yes. But immediately after, I might get out. Well, actually, the weather's supposed to be good tomorrow, so I'm going for a ride tomorrow. Oh, I don't know what waiting... Got some lovely mountains.
0: I've done that wait till tomorrow thing. You know, I don't know if you heard or not, but the weather forecast is, well, they're not that good anymore.
7: (laughs) I'll take that bet. I'm going riding tomorrow. (laughs) Yep. We've got snow in the mountains here, but it's only halfway up, so the lower half of the mountains are still very rideable. So, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Trying to get a last few rides in before the end of the season, and it's just not possible. Grant, what temperatures have you got? Right now, about 10 degrees. And you're, what, mid-afternoon um, now? Yeah. About 10 degrees. Well, okay. it's 1 o'clock here now. Right. Yeah, I'll be at 12 today, but I've got um, an electric under undershirt thing, um, which is really nice. It just I just crank up the volume a little bit, and it's toasty. I'm fine. I'm riding off road, so don't need a lot of heat. I don't wear anything more than I normally wear. It's fine. Very nice. I'm good. Yep, it's excellent.
1: Now I'll put my water sack on my back because it'll be pretty warm here when I go for a ride. Uh-huh. Sorry, Grant.
7: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, I hear that it gets too hot to ride there. There's time ah, of the year when it's just too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> too much of a good thing. <laughs>
7: yes, um, I know about that. I know about that. I used to live there. Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I know.
0: <laughs> we should have fun with our, our topics today. I was just hoping that Michelle would be able to connect, and I'm, I'm not sure that she's going to be able to. So we'll move on. And if she does connect, then we'll bring her right in and, and sort of pick up where we're where we're at at that point so the the first thing that uh, we're going to talk about is motorcycle travel without cash in hand. I mean, for a while, everybody wanted to do YouTube, right? Everybody wanted to do that the the social channel sort of thing to raise money. Well, they were traveling that, or that's more of a recent thing. But I think most of us realize now that the ones that are making the money off of YouTube is actually YouTube rather than the yeah, people correct. who are putting oh, yeah. all that work okay. into those incredible videos and things like that. So, um, you know, great for, for those who want to watch the videos, but not so much if you're, if you're looking at it to make some money, but the thought process isn't new. Uh, it may be more widespread and popular now, but it goes sort of way back. We all know this and it makes a lot of sense too. I was thinking about this because, you know, if you save all your money before you go on a trip, it could take a very long time, depending on how much you can sack away for your trip. But if you make money while you're traveling, you can hit the road sooner, and 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 furthermore, you may be able to stay on the road longer. Right? If you're if you get on the road and you find you can make some money while on the road, maybe you can extend that if you're not forced to go back to work. So that's what we're discuss- discussing today. We're brainstorming about making money on the road. To begin with, I thought maybe it would be a good idea to hear who's actually done this, who's made money while traveling at some point. And then I thought we'll find out who, who hasn't, who does it the more traditional way. So who's made money, any sort of money on the road?
2: Well, we made, uh, we we did. Had, yeah. we made passive income yeah. while on the road, but we had to create it before the time, before we set off to do it. And essentially, sitting here, we're actually still still working while on the road. We're just not on the road now because we have to, to work yeah. on the Yeah, so we do a bit of a
3: combination, yeah. So Mm -hmm. we we, uh, secured some passive income before we started, but then we also carried on building businesses and earning money while we're traveling.
7: Right,
0: okay. Anyone else?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
7: I made some money while... uh, well, I was traveling simply because I was a stock photographer and I'd send photos in at the end of every continent to the stock agency and they'd go through and pick what they wanted. And I made some money from that, but not a lot. And I would say that today that's almost impossible to do. You, it's, you're just not going to make any money out of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know there's no doubt the the methods, I think, have changed drastically, but in some ways it's gotten a lot easier. I mean, like if you look at Mickness and Elsby, their they're example, I mean, they're running a business on the road, Turkana. They're running it on yep. the road, so that's pretty incredible. We'll, we'll probably get back to that, Sam. How about you?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I sold everything I'd got before I set off on on what turned out to be the big trip, as I call it. Um, except for a few cardboard boxes of bits and pieces that went up in my mum's loft for me to come back to. Um, so, and I didn't have a huge amount of um, savings, and I didn't have a huge uh, earn a huge amount from what I sold. Um, as it turned out, way more than enough to make it the length of Africa. But that was because, you know, I know how to, to live on a, a relatively tight budget and still have a lot of smiles. Um, but for me, working along the way is not only a way of keeping the coffers topped up, but it's also really important for having experiences because I think – it's too easy to ride across the surface of a country and I love stopping and working in places for a while because that way I'm getting to know local people, I'm learning new skills or sharing the skills that I've already got, that sort of thing. So uh, I work quite a lot when I'm, I'm on a bigger trip.
0: Mm, that's a really good point that you're you're getting a better experience on the trip by doing it. I hadn't thought about that. That's great. So so d- 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 as far as ways I that... Did. sorry, I did too. Oh, I I forgot about you guys. I was going to ask you. You were on my next next time. We're
5: easy to forget.
0: (laughs) Um, no.
5: I I edited on our um, uh, South America, North America and Bits Beyond trip, I edited a magazine for the Northern Territory Police Union. I tried to resign when we were leaving the country and they said, well, you're in uh, Melbourne, we're in Darwin and the – designers in sydney so why can't you be in chile
6: <laughs> so uh,
5: i just had to make sure that every time i needed to get copy in from people and uh, deal with all that kind the editorial stuff we stayed somewhere that had decent wi-fi
4: mm, right okay
5: and i did that for the whole trip
4: fantastic wow. nice
0: how about you brian is that a train no, actually, in the background be
5: perfectly honest no it was his computer oh um uh, To be perfectly honest, it was a pain in the ass. And if anyone was asking for (laughs) advice on should we work while we're traveling or should we just travel, my advice would be just travel.
2: That that is the the beginning. I I agree wholeheartedly with that. That's the the, aim. (laughs) To do that first. We just met a couple. We went to the Kalahari National Frontier Park now a week ago in South Africa. We met a French couple with two kids in a big ass truck, like in one of those four by four, 800,000, I don't know what the thing was, it must be a fortune. <laughs> and they're young and I don't know how they, they, they got that money, so we were all sitting in a pool and somebody else, luckily, did uh, um question about how actually did they do that. And they said in France, and they must be they must be connected to some nuclear thing because they made quite a bit of money or, or earned quite, quite big salaries as young people. And she said that in France, they can, they can uh, accumulate uh, salary or… or uh, they can
3: book leave they in can advance. Book leave. Yeah. So they
2: work for five years, they book their leave, or they accumulated it, and now they're taking a year off to, to travel and they, they ship that big-ass thing to yeah. South Africa and they, they're driving around. Yeah. And th- that, that is, and I agree with you, that's, the, that's going back to that try and save money if it takes five or six years. The problem is instant, instant gratification. is what's stopping a lot of people doing that. Yeah. <laughs> they want to travel now.
4: It's, uh, you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I suggest to people is, look, you know, you've got your job. Take on a part-time job at the weekend or in the evenings as well, um, because it's much easier to earn money when you're at home than it is, or money of real value, if you come from a, um, a developed world country than it is when you're actually on the road in developing world countries. Yes. And also you can you can do a second job, um, which gives you the opportunity to learn a few skills that might help you get a job uh, when you're actually out on the road, because you can say, yeah, bar work, yeah, I've done plenty of that, um, you know, this sort of thing. So. It works, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. definitely. I think what you're yeah. you talking about, Magnus, is uh, you can do it here too. You you, um, you work say five years, but you get paid for four, and okay. uh, you're basically salary sacrificing that that, that last year, so you're actually paid for five years. Um, yeah, but um, over that uh, over that time, it's uh, uh, just spread across five years. Um, I know teachers do that, and some mm-hmm. other organisations do it as well here.
5: And you can, yes. and we also have long service leave. If you're old people like us, when you start travelling, you can take a years-long service leave, so you're going to get paid the whole time you're away. How that That's, that's, that's incredible. People can't do. A lot of people yeah.
0: can't do the method you're saying, uh, the five year thing. So, just let me help me understand that. So, you work for the five years. So, they what do they do? They figure out your salary, what it would be for five years, and they only pay you for four of it, and they give you a chunk when you go. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, basically, you uh, you basically salary sacrificing that uh, last twelve months. So, your, your salary throughout the four years is a bit less, and then you get uh, paid you, for a year of the, not working. Year you, the, you're getting paid for the full year um, the following, the fifth year.
4: God, I wonder how many countries (laughs) do that. I've never heard of it. It's down here. Not ours.
3: No, it's not South Africa.
2: Uh, You're you're on your own, baby. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, it's it's Um, something that's coming. And and I think the the French were really good at it because um, it worked out that um, some of them work a four-day week because that builds up their their local tourism economy because the French will travel into their provinces and things like that. Mm. So
7: they started it. So. Yeah, uh, you can do that here in Canada too. Eka and Audrey Koch were doing that for a number of years. They'd work for four years and then take a year off, and yeah. they were getting paid throughout, and they had a job to come back to, which was really cool. Yeah. And they, yeah. you know, she was a teacher, and he's, oh, is that he works in the traffic control or something in Calgary? Wow, what a great, Worked great for them,
0: great way to do well, it, and this, probably good for the company too because. The company, let me think here now, does, that spreads it out for them, doesn't it? They're paying you less as you work, so then, mm-hmm. and then they pay you when you're not there. I mean, you know, as far as cash flow goes anyway, I mean, some companies might look at that as a plus.
7: Yeah, and you, they don't have to retrain somebody that's who's coming in really. new because no, you're coming back.
1: Sa- they save money. That's true. Yep. Mm.
7: Yeah.
6: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Well, that's, that's a good way to go. You could do what Michelle does, you know, live in a place which is you freeze your ass off uh, during wintertime and go traveling and make your money in summertime. Great idea. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
2: Yeah, Something seasonal. It's no wonder the French burned down half the country when they said that they were going to increase the pension age to what 66 or 65 or something.
6: Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
4: (laughs) I mean, I've been watching that happening from over here in the UK and um, we, Brits – it takes so much to get us to actually stand up and rebel against something, and I know quite a few friends have been looking at what the French are doing and thinking, "Why aren't we doing that? We should be out on the streets burning tires as well." But um, oh no, we're we're terribly nice here, you know.
2: As I said, African, I can yeah. tell you, it never stops at burning ties. You burn in another place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very different. Very yeah. different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different.
5: Well, there's sort of a, um, a great advantage to living in Australia where apathy is one of our strong points. And it really takes a lot to get us rolled too, Sam, and I kind of prefer a country where we don't set fire to everything all the time.
4: Mm. Amen. Yeah.
5: Sort of the calmer, the calmer existence in Australia suits me mm. right down yeah. to the ground.
4: I like the calmer existence too, Shirley, but there are times when I think to myself, actually, let's draw a line here. Something has to be said, but hang on a minute, we're going all political. Yeah,
1: So, so the one thing is quite easily, just, just close down the local pub, <laughs> or, or if we
5: want to get really political, you can get wicket keeper out.
1: I <laughs> don't What's oh,
5: that?
7: Something oh, we don't know anything about that. <laughs>
5: uh, I could tell. Miknis laughed. He knows.
7: Yeah, yeah. He's I know what you're talking about, scared. but I don't know about the on. specific deal.
5: Oh, the spirit of cricket, Grant. We could talk oh, about it yes. for hours.
0: Oh, yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> well, it's not the time of year for crickets here and we get them in the summertime, but that's... here. Uh,
5: uh-huh. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> nice, one. <laughs> nice
0: one, Shirley. <laughs> yeah.
5: Oh, so, when we so, were in India, just this is such a digression, but when we were in India, India was playing cricket in Australia and they beat Australia in the second test in Adelaide. Everywhere we went, you know, it's like in India, hello, welcome to our country, where are you from? We're from Australia. And they just look at you and go, We beat you in the cricket. (laughs) (laughs) Second question, do you know Ricky Ponting? And when you say no, they go, oh, okay, fine. I just completely disregard you. (laughs) If only you you knew Ricky Ponting, Mike would have been so much better. Yeah.
0: This conversation is like walking down a hallway and then just all of a sudden you're sucked over to the side and down a hole and you're swirling <laughs> around with water. You're thinking, what's going on? How did I get here?
4: The true traveler mentality. Side turning's wrong. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, let, let me Roll let me get it back. So, you know, so, so let me get it back. The one thing th- today that people's got that we didn't add and you guys didn't add probably 10 and 12 years ago was Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi changed the game mm-hmm. incredibly. Um, for working on the road, being connected, stuff like that. So there is, uh, I'm, I'm first and foremost not a not not a big advocate exactly for the reasons you guys mentioned for for working on the road. But you know, if it's possible, maybe you're an electrician or a plumber or a, somebody that works hands on with, with wood, and you can find something next to that. You know, on your way to, but Wi-Fi did change the the game considerably Literally. with, with um, t- like running business or, or um, IT it I consultancy it, or, or accounting yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We're still working while you were at your current job, but you're doing it part-time on the road type of thing.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's opened up a lot more opportunities and a lot more ways that you can earn money while you're on the road. Um, it, it truly makes a huge difference. When we just started traveling through Africa, the Wi-Fi wasn't as much available. Um, no, no, very rarely. And if I look at what we achieve now, uh, it's all due to to Wi-Fi and the the easy easiness of using social media.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not even just the connectivity, though. It's also just the way. I mean, I, I guess they sort of go hand in hand. But it's the way things are done now. You know, you couldn't have done things the way you you can now over the internet before because there weren't systems in place. The whole thing has come together that is just uh, making it incredible. I mean, mean, it's changing so fast. I mean, let's face it. Doesn't it feel like a bit of a whirlwind? You know, it's Uh, still moving.
4: There aren't that many advantages from COVID, are there? But it's one of the things that's changed people's mindsets because so many people have learned, companies and individuals, I can work from home. And if I can work from home, why can't I work from somewhere on the road? And there are all sorts of organizations that have set up to help people do this, either with their current job, if that's possible, um, or there are organizations like Upwork, for example, which is an online marketplace for freelance services. And this is just brilliant. So you become a member of that. um, You put in your skills and uh, businesses are are looking for people to hire over a wide range of services. And they'll just say, right, okay, can you do this for us? Yeah, I can stop for a week Mm. in a a place and and do that. And bang, um, it happens.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, we've got a friend that's an architect. um, And him and his his wife, or life partners, we've met them now uh, in South America again. They've been traveling also for probably 13 or 14 years. And he does architect. He still works for the same firm, but he's never at the office. They send him the project. He does his stuff, send it back, and there they go. He he's, does
3: all the background. He's, he's walking working, around
2: yeah. in slopes every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I
4: had yeah. a friend who was an architect who was doing the same thing, and he said, actually, traveling, um, there was lots of inspiration from the different buildings that he was seeing in the yeah. different places. I can imagine. Um, the,
2: the, Just not in Mexico. That I mean, in Mexico, they still build it. everything with the wires sticking out of the roof. So I'm not sure what kind of building um, architecture that is. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Just thinking more traditionally, um, in Australia, you can get visas to come and work mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a traveler. And it's such a big country and people want to take their time. You can do that. Um, and there's uh, programs where you can go and work on an outback station. Uh, and that will entitle you to a working visa. I think Cheryl's got some more details yeah, in yeah. relation to that. But, you know, for the more traditional, um, you know, stop and work and raise a bit of money before you move on, you can still do that every now and then.
5: In Australia, they actually changed the requirements because initially and probably when you came out here, Sam, you wouldn't have been allowed to work. Nope. and oh, not, you, not the, A lot no. of travellers yeah. would work off the books, mm-hmm. Um yeah. because they didn't their visa didn't permit it, but now um, you're allowed a first working holiday visa you've got to be young you've got to be um, under thirty and you can't have kids and um, you've got to have an eligible passport and then but then you can do a second one which has different requirements so it's you're not just restricted to to mm. one working right. holiday and if you you know you make the application it gives you a longer visa i think, but they're expensive i mean the first one I think it's three or four hundred dollars, but once you get up to the second one, it's like six, seven hundred dollars to make the application for the visa. Mm-hmm. So it's not cheap, but it gives you an opportunity sure. if you want to stay here mm-hmm. and work legally, because it's not so easy to work off the books now. They've with, changed with um, tax yeah, requirements and, right. and uh, Medicare. There's so many things you need to um, to actually get a job. So many different numbers. Not quite the American Social Security number, but get getting that kind of. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, complexity but, you know, my, my son's. Um, um, and I also see that um, in some circumstances you can actually work in Australia up to the age of 35 so sort of 18 to 30 oh, is the yeah. standard isn't it but in some circumstances yeah. I suppose yeah, yeah. that That's depends right. on your skills
5: no it depends on what country you're from
4: yeah. all right yeah.
5: it'll be it'll be one of those reciprocal things like Australians who arrive in Chile by plane have to play pay a visa. Whereas no one else does, because that's what we charge people from Chile when they arrive here. So there'll probably be some kind of quid pro quo, quid pro quo countries that let Australians work older; they're allowed to work here older. But
4: there are sure. other countries Did- that um, allow you to to get these sort of working holiday visas too. Um, I, I didn't know these until I was doing um, a bit of homework. But um, Argentina, Canada, Chile, Hong Kong, Israel, Japan. New Zealand, Republic of Korea, and Taiwan, all have similar um, working holiday yeah. visa options.
6: Yeah.
0: Cheryl, any idea why they only want someone under thirty? Like, what's wrong with the older people?
5: Um, I don't know. I yeah. presume. It's to yeah, deserve- I honestly don't know. I, it's, I guess it's just the work that they think will be done, or the risk I, of them overstaying their visa. I
1: think. Yeah, and it used to be the same with Australians going to the UK, Sam. Uh, mm-hmm. you, get, you had to be a certain age before you know, uh, that you could uh, work to. But uh, my son's restaurant down on the Great Ocean Road, you know, he, m- most of his staff are backpackers coming through, travelling through, yep. and mm-hmm. they love it. You know, they'll, they'll work for two or three months and then move on to somewhere else. Yeah.
5: If you want the yeah. outback experience in Australia, anywhere where there's red dirt around it, you'll find French or Swedish staff you won't find Australians Australians won't work out there because it's too bloody hot and it's too isolated and too many problems for it but the backpackers love it absolutely love it
0: it's the experience it. Well, isn't it that's what I was going to say it sort of meets your your requirement or at least what you said you you benefit from the experience but the other yeah. thing I was going to ask is is Cheryl are these jobs that will pay decently like does this compare because Sam was saying you know you're going to make your, your best money when you're at home which I, I think is probably true for most of us but is it decent money when you do a job like that as a foreigner
5: Oh, I think it's just a standard, um, standard job that you uh, will get the same wages as an
1: Australian. Yeah, you'll get yeah, you'll get exactly but the same money. But also in the adback area, you know, you will be um, housed, fed, clothed, um, and uh, you'll get a, a salary as well. Of course, it'll be a little bit less because of um, you're getting all those uh, benefits as well. Right. And you might but not so- find
5: it so easy to get a job at a high end. Like in a, you know, as a lawyer or something, well, anything like that is going to be problematic because of the education skill standards. But for so most backpackers, they want to work mm-hmm. in pubs and cafes and meet people.
2: Mm-hmm. So, how long can they? How long visa do they get? And how long? Because um, maybe for a, for a, um, a waiter, for example, you will work a week and then bugger off. Well, maybe the company, the the restaurant, don't want to just work for a week. Let's say for three weeks or a month, but he's only got a three month visa. Then that kind of Thing also is not. I'm not sure that that's really a. If you the want to spend a month, month working just okay. to.
1: Yes, a
5: yeah, that, twelve-month nice. visas. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the,
1: the the standard the standard visa is twelve months, but you can extend up to three and five years. I think in some of them.
3: When you go for well, the yeah. second or third yeah. one, if you still
1: want to work. But like I think standard, with most
3: with most of these visas, you either have to have somebody that signs that they take support for you, or that you can prove that you've got income. Um, I know traditionally they would allow youngsters up until 26 to go into any country, um, but the idea was they're still supported by the parents and they go out to experience and to see for other ways to study and so forth. But I know in those cases uh, parents have to sign or prove that they have a support system.
5: Yeah, this, these yeah. visas are specifically uh, to come as a tourist with the ability to work. Yeah, that's oh, that's so that's need to pass the criteria
1: for tourism? Sep- that, that yeah. another visa yeah. else, but you're right. There yeah. is a different visa yeah. for that. Students. Are, you, you can, you, can, as yeah. you said, you can just come here.
5: Students you know. and things but like that, that would a- always have those other criteria because they they can't just come here and study for 12 months.
3: But it's very interesting that I actually like reading up about the visas and a lot of countries are catching up on nomad visas or uh, passive income earners or uh, they've extended the term for pensioners so where, where they would normally have a visa that you can apply as a, um, a pensioner and you prove that you've got income, they're changing the term slightly now that it's an income giving visa. So as long as you can prove that you, can ha- you have a certain income you can apply even if you're not a pensioner's age, you can apply on that visa to have longer access to a country.
2: It can just not be your son. It must must show uh, us income, like property income. And I um, think
3: the first country that opened up the nomad visa was Estonia. And since they've been very successful because they've attracted all these young nomads to come in, and they started uh, uh, allowing them to open bank accounts, and all of a sudden they've got a different flow of income. A lot of other countries has now opened up with similar type of nomad visa. So so it's actually really good. Mm.
1: That makes makes Perfect sense because uh, it's bringing money into uh, their
3: economy. Yeah. Correct and up. taxes yeah. because you you still have if you come in as a nomad, um, if you want to stay longer in some of the countries longer than a year, they will grant you a tax um, incentive for a certain period. But then thereafter you have to register. So they're sort of just securing taxable income for them going forward. Yeah. So it's very mm. clever. Australia mm-hmm. doesn't. Australia doesn't have it.
1: Not
5: not
3: yet. Yeah, we
1: don't have it.
2: You guys don't need it. There's so many
4: people going in any
3: case. Yeah, I think half of South Africa is there.
4: Just winding back a second, I know that, um, well, several people that I know of have um, arranged with their companies, with a company in Australia, um, that they will go and um, work for six months on a, a backpacker visa, backpack backpacker working visa. And uh, so they've sort of gained experience in a, in a like like business. Um, and the, the Australian company's been really happy for that to happen, so, so well, it's almost like a secondment, but not. And then they've just pushed off, travelled around for six months, or done odd jobs you know, of, of the different, you know, the typical backpacker stuff um, for the rest of the yes. time they've been there. Mm-hmm. Sure. One of the things that that works with it, this is, for example, I'm teaching English as a foreign language. Um, mm. I know that plenty of travellers get the Tefl training course which is actually quite a full-on course. You can do it in four weeks, but um, you know that's 34 hours a week, 30 to 40 hours a week worth of studying, and it's really intense. Um, quite a lot of other people spread it out to um, six months. But once you've got that, then you've got an option of picking up jobs as you go along, or you've got an option, um, and, and that tends to be sort of kind of skating under the surface, um, or you can be arranging with uh, different um, schools um, and so on. Um, colleges in advance. So you arrive in a country and they've sponsored you and they organise the permit for you to be able to be there doing it. And there are sort of um, a a few disadvantages because, you know, in some of the countries which are really crying out for English speaking, um, uh, English teachers... Um, the uh, the the amount of money that you are earning isn't particularly big, so you've got to mentally downscale what you want as far as accommodation and food is concerned. But if you are able to do that, then the money that you are earning um, teaching actually can you, know, you, you can top that up in your bank account. And if you don't manage to do that, well, you know you are just having fun and doing some good as you as you are going. There are so many options that you can do that are perfectly legal. Aid agency work, for example. Um, Aid agency work doesn't pay you a huge amount of money, but again, it does give you that experience. And there are aid agency companies such as Projects Aboard, and they assist people who want to volunteer to work with local initiatives in developing countries and so on. And that is all just done um, completely above board.
7: Yeah, that's the way mm-hmm. to go. Yep. I think to, to um, maybe summarize this a little bit, for most of us working in a country where the wages are good, your best bet is to work at home, save your money, and go and have a holiday instead of a lousy paying job, if you want to look at it from that point of view. Um, you know, like people who want to do uh, YouTube or social media and try and make money from that, the pay is peanuts for the average person and it's a huge, huge amount of work. So, do you want a va- a, a holiday or a lousy job? When, I don't know which I want. When
4: YouTube put I mean, the, the numbers up for um, you know viewers and so on, then it it just cut down the number of people that were able to earn anything at all through doing YouTube. And I actually think that's a real shame. It's it's great for some people who really apply themselves and do a top quality job, but what we're finding with that is that. Um, many people who were doing a really good job and sharing lots of interesting footage and stories and so on, we're just not seeing them anymore because um, their attitude is, well, why should I be working at doing this um, when I could just be focusing on a holiday um, or yeah, doing exactly. some, doing a proper job as, as I go? And there are other things that you can do when you're traveling um, that... Well, I mean, technically you need a work permit for, but I don't think anybody would stop you. For example, busking. I know people who've busked their way around the world without a work permit, but they just go and stand on a street corner in a city and they play their saxophone or their conga drums or whatever, and they earn some money and then they'll move on to the next place. And sometimes- There's
7: lots of places where that's not legal. uh, You try and do that here uh, and you're going to end up in jail. And you do that- You can't do that. You have to have a permit.
4: In Exeter, for example, you also have to have a permit, but there are other cities in the UK where you don't have to have a permit. So you need to find out those things before you do it. Um, Complicated. I mean, if you really, really want to, um, you can do things like um, plasma donation. Um, The US and five other countries in the world allow um, plasma donors to get paid. So those other countries are Austria, Czech Republic, Germany, and Hungary. Um, If you come from a country that has had um, a large incidence of the mad cow disease, then you won't be allowed to. But the pay can be, you know, <laughs> worth having. Um, and if you,
6: that's
0: what I was thinking he's going to next. And there's some places where you can sell your kidney. Yeah, just, just. I'm just not sure that travel
2: is that important. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I've got a job of both my kidneys. <laughs>
4: there's, there's a real extreme here, and I yeah. and that fits in with just what you were saying. And I know people that have done it. They've earned money, um, hundred dollars a day. Um, as, as lab rats
3: in other yeah, words
4: I clinical know. trials um, yeah. and I, I just don't understand that people would do that except for That's complete desperation yeah. <laughs> yeah. Under- oh. yeah yeah no and thanks. yeah uh,
6: there yeah, is I also
3: think Sorry, there's two ways. I mean, I I absolutely understand if you're going on a a holiday or on a short trip that you want to have value time and enjoy it and, you know, not have to work. And I mean, I think all of us, that's the ultimate goal is that if we're on a trip, we don't want to worry about uh, the money and we don't want to work. We want to really enjoy it. But I think... That is a very selective few that can do long-term travel that way. Um, For for other people, and I'm actually referring to ourselves and a lot of people we've met recently – Uh, We opt to change from seeing our trips as a holiday or a trip, but we rather tend to see it as a a lifestyle. Um, And yes, we give up a lot for that. We don't have necessarily a home base uh, because we utilize that money to be able to be on the road. Um, So I I think it's different, different things work for different people. It is just nice to know there's so many ways these days that that one can do traveling. You know, if
2: you if you're not if you're not in an hurry and you 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 see your, your travel as a lifestyle thing, let's say you see it for five or six years as that is what you want to do, then spend two or three years before that time and figure out how you're going to do this. Even I've got a friend now, he's just our age, 105, <laughs> and he just learned how to um, at, um, what, what's he? He wrote his um, his uh, some degree on cybersecurity. I mean he knows nothing about he can't he can barely work a cell phone, but he's learned that as a skill because he's, he's got to I won't
3: know, tell him you said I that. I won't
2: to He can't find porn on porn on the side. So he he, he learned cybersecurity now because that, that's one thing that he that he can do anywhere in the world. He can set at a laptop, but it took him four years to or three years to do that.
3: But, the, but, but he found a but nation, but he found nation, down,
2: yeah. So if you plan your stuff ahead of time, if you want to travel long-term, see it as a lifestyle. Understand it, that you're going to have a lot
7: of sacrifices doing that. It's so not realistic. It's not realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, so. No. Nope. I think people don't realize how little, how few people make any amount of money. Yep. Correct. It's like, you know, people want to be an actor. You know what the average wage for actors is? But it's everybody talks
0: about the ones that make the big money, and that's what keeps the, that's what fuels all of that. There this, are right?
4: keeps the so around. few. And that's why I yeah. made the comment that I made earlier on that it's just not practical. Um, you've got to be you know. so good and work so hard at it and have lots of good luck. Um, and you've got to have a lot of talent um, to, mm-hmm. to make that work. But there are plenty of other things that you can do that, you know, aren't involving things like YouTube. Um, some, some of the things with jobs is it's not a case of earning money, but it's a case of not spending the money that you've got while you're mm, traveling yes. um, and having an experience. Um, yes, I, I love the, the periods of travel where I'm not working, but I equally love the periods of travel where I am working because of the things that I'm learning and the experience. Um, but for example, I very rarely ever hear anybody talk about working on a cruise ship. Um cruise ships are just large scale floating cities and there's lots of employment opportunities within them. If anybody's got an experience in hospitality or a lifeguard or a child care or hairdresser or, or whatever else it may be, finding a job on a cruise ship is certainly possible. And the beauty of this is that you get paid a wage, you get your accommodation and your food on board and I know people Um, who have gone from one continent to the next on a cruise liner working um, and have had their motorcycle shipped for free as part of the deal.
3: Nice.
7: And you can also teach on those things. Yeah, absolutely. There's a huge demand for seminars for people who can do some kind of entertainment on these cruise ships. I know a guy who spends about nine months of the year on cruise ships giving seminars.
4: Yep. Wow. Wow. And for people to get jobs like that, then they look up the different names of the different cruise line companies and there are some that are literally floating cities. We've all seen photographs of these things and wonder how on earth they survive a storm Um, right the way through to the cruise line companies with the more traditional, um, smaller um, cruise ships. And you find out who those different companies are, you work out who you want to work um, for and then you literally just contact the company with your CV and say, this is me, this is what I want to do, this is what I can do. What do you reckon?
2: Now, just something else to mention is that, um, as Sam has said, it's, you make your, it's, it's easier making your money in your own country than what it is making on the road. So, just consider um, the 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 forex exchange. So, if you earn euros or, or dollars or Australian Australian dollars, your currency value is way higher than anything in South America. So, earn the money there, you get better better rates in any case for traveling and going to a South American or, or a Central American country or Vietnam or wherever, and you could try and work there for, for that amount of money.
3: Unless you be- work for an international company. Yeah, unless you work
2: for an international uh, company. But um, other than that, mm-hmm. use the, use the, the your, your advantage. Because most people that are traveling long-term would probably probably be from a more wealthier uh, country like America or, the, or, or Europe or wherever. So trying to earn pesos in Mexico compared to, to American
7: dollars, I mean, you know. Yeah, no brainer. Because- yeah, there's no point yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why I say just make save your money up front, don't spend it, and that's the biggest secret of all is you don't spend it and you sell everything and hopefully you have a house you can rent out and that's the way to travel long term. If you can rent out a house, that's that's gold. Cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was going to be my point, Grant. That's exactly right. You know, uh, we, we know a guy – from the UK who uh, rented out his house in the UK so he could travel through South America.
5: And he ended up living in he Mexico.
1: Up, yeah, he ended up um, <laughs> living in Mexico, keeping his house in the UK. And that, I, that was sufficient to keep him um, uh, in, you know, with the food on the table and yep. all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a good way to go if you can do it.
0: But but I do I do like Sam's point, though, of, of um, gaining experience and, and having a, a real connection locally. By oh, yeah. working somewhere, even if it's a short time, and there's value in that for sure.
7: Yeah, oh. absolutely. I remember one guy a few years ago. His name was Charlie. He was from Australia, and he was traveling and had been traveling for a number of years. And he said, "I'm traveling on my pension, my Australian pension. That's it." When I run out of money, I find a campground. I tell them I'll pay them when my check comes in, and I just sit until the check comes in, mm. and then off I go again.
4: Oh, great! I, for I him. know exactly who you're talking about. I met him at Horizons um, uh, in the UK when it was at Lum Farm. Yep, what a class guy right. he was.
7: Oh yeah, he was great, and, and he was having a great time here. Loved it, uh, and especially when he was just parked up and waiting for his check to arrive, because he get to talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they yeah, loved it. Part them. of the experience, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah. experiences. So you don't have to be young to travel. You could be old and retired and travel on peanuts. I mean, he said his there, Australian pension was was very low. A lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. Here.
5: And there are some restrictions with the um, traveling on the Australian pension. Sometimes you need to come back to Australia for a period yeah. of time. Yeah. They won't continue to pay it overseas.
7: Really, that's uh, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. 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 Oh, Canada, you can't. They will. <laughs> Do you guys hear that
0: in the background? It, it sounds like water lapping at a ship. I, I think I'm hearing that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Michelle,
8: I'm here, but I don't know if you can hear me. Yay.
0: Yay. Yes, can sure. hear yeah, we can hear you. Welcome. Yeah. Nice yeah. <laughs> wow. Welcome back.
8: Oh, talk about a grudge match between me and my computer. And I'm so sorry, you guys. I've been battling it for over an hour trying to get signed in. Uh, it's just—it's
0: great that you've—you've you've worked so hard and you've actually made it through. I mean, that's great. Thank you, Michelle. I thought you would have given up a long time ago. I was hoping you'd keep at it.
8: Well, but, I did. Um, that's yeah. great. <laughs> Thanks for your patience.
0: Not at all. Well, we were, we were just wrapping up our uh, talking about making money on the road. Let me see if you've got anything to add for it. I know you don't know what we've discussed, but we've, we've talked about a lot of things. Did you have anything on your mind about that in, specifically?
8: You know, and somebody's probably already mentioned it. And obviously, uh, my apologies for doubling up if there is anything. But the accountant in me says, um, I think it's just as important to control outgoing money as it is to focus on incoming money. Um, Because really having money in your bank account or having your budget is balanced um, by those two things. So it's not just about bringing money in, which, of course, I'm sure that um, everybody's contributed some great ideas. Um, I personally had um, a little bit of savings that I used for travel by planning two years in advance. So I was able to pocket a little bit of money. I also sold a piece of property and had a little bit of money to contribute to my travel funds with that. Um, And worked on saving some money. So the outgoing expenses were minimized by um, saving on my budget where I could. I did some couch surfing. You can use things like Bunker Biker. You can do volunteer work, which sometimes gives you an opportunity for free housing. Um, and just things like that. So really I would just suggest if there's ways that you can try and cut your travel budget and keep your expenses from getting out of hand, that's almost as good as bringing money in at times.
0: Mm -hmm. Agree. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Now, now, let me just sort of jump back here, Michelle, just so we get an idea of what you're doing here. You're on a cruise ship. And where are you?
8: (laughs) I am on a cruise ship. And apparently I'm a long way from anywhere, if you can judge by the cell (laughs) service. So, um, and we apparently are using Elon Musk's system. Um, of satellites to, to get Wi-Fi. So if that's any indication of how well that's working in the Indian Ocean, um, I think I think they need to keep working on it. So, um, wow. I am yeah. parked um, off the coast of Zanzibar. Uh,
4: so wonderful. T- Tanzania nice. East nice. side of Africa.
8: Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful here. humid and hot. It's um, late at night. It's um, I guess a little after midnight. it's not too bad. But yeah.
0: So after midnight on the cruise ship, so
4: you're the only one up.
8: <laughs> I think after seven p.m. I was.
4: <laughs> Are you going to get to go, go ashore?
8: Uh, yes, I went ashore today and did a little bit of exploring in Zanzibar, and um, I'll go ashore again tomorrow for a bit. Nice. And, uh, nice. So, did yeah. you get into Stone Town? I did. That's exactly, I should have known. You, you all will know exactly where I'm at. I spent the day in Stonetown Great. and in the historical Lovely. area going through all of that. Yeah, it's just it's so much history here. Some of it um, beautiful and some of it very tragic and um, just a really interesting part of the world. So enjoying it and making the most of it.
4: Nice.
0: It must be difficult because you've been on it for quite a while now. You probably get like tired of the vacation.
4: (laughs) Yeah,
8: not yet.
0: (laughs) Oh, not yet. Okay. No, with long-term travelers,
8: I I think it takes a lot. Our threshold's pretty high. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Well, so just to to wrap up this thing about uh, making money on the road, does does anyone know of any ways that they've heard of anyone doing that they're noteworthy that we could um, hear about?
4: I know a lad who travels around the world, Um, he's quite good with um, filming and so on, and he goes down to every port that he comes across and he finds people who are running fishing tours and that sort of thing. And um, he goes and talks to the captain, and because he knows his fishing, he persuades the captain of the boat to allow him to do a promo video. So he does all the filming and all this sort of stuff, the editing, and makes the promo film um, for that captain who can then put it up online. And um, nice. yeah, I I just liked his ingenuity for that. He was thinking outside the box to yeah, use that brilliant. phrase.
0: Yeah, yeah, using the skills that you have yeah. and portable skills in particular. Absolutely, and, and uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Anyone else?
8: Um, I know someone who's a photographer and who's actually been selling photographs for um, stock images online. And apparently um, now video footage, stock video is becoming um, of demand. So that might be an opportunity. That's interesting.
0: Wow, that, that and it's funny because Grant just mentioned that that he'd done that many many years ago when stock was different. You know, when we're we're dealing with transparencies and things yeah. like that. Yeah, everything was more physical. Uh, I'm surprised anyone can make any money off of photography now. That's 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 very interesting to hear.
8: I think it's more it, video. It's possible than it is right, yeah. video clips images. Video is becoming of demand for stock video.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really yeah. interesting
7: stock photography is still possible to make money at, but wow, it's hard. I mean, you yeah. have to do a huge, huge amount of, of work. And I mean, I, I remember that the, the standard was you'd spend a week shooting and you'd end up with one shot that would make money for you. Yeah. I mean, and back then you're paying for work. film. Yeah, and basically the cost was uh, – it cost you a dollar a slide, a finished yeah. slide. Yeah, that gets expensive.
6: Mm-hmm,
1: very much, yeah. We did, we did it uh, many, many years ago um, A Beer Boat Yacht Charter. Remember that sure? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They so they gave
5: us the yacht. We shot the video. We had a holiday.
1: Yeah, but we took underwater camera housings for video and all the rest of it, scuba dived uh, in Umia and Tonga and no. places like that. Um, but
0: Wow, that's interesting. You, and you yeah. guys were by yourselves on this boat?
1: No, yeah, no, no, well, no. there was a crew of us, a, a, a cameraman, um, an editor. Cheryl did um, the scripting. I carried heavy things and uh, scuba-dived. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that it was good. But, um, again, we took a – well, this is years ago. It was about $100,000 worth of um, camera equipment and underwater camera housings. Into New Mia, wasn't it? And um, they um, they wanted to confiscate it because we had to um, pay carnate the, the value of the equipment. They wanted us to leave oh. a deposit. We
5: didn't actually have a carnate, which we
1: didn't have. So,
5: but you know, mm. the, I don't know that those things are easy to do now.
1: No, it's
7: getting harder. How we,
1: how, how we got around that was um, that the tour company who we were doing the video for. Uh, uh, she uh, signed a cheque for a hundred thousand US dollars and left it with the customs. Um, but the cheque needed two signatures and she only signed it once.
5: And she she wasn't authorized really <laughs> to sign it at all. But um, that's another story altogether. And as we, as we departed company with her, she said, Please don't lose anything.
6: <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. to, yes.
5: uh, it all had to be ticked off or she would have to justify this cheque. Yeah. No. But
0: that's.
5: That's another story, and we don't do things
0: like that yep. anymore. <laughs> right, which makes it better. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. there's got to be a statute
5: of limitations on that.
0: <laughs> well, okay, let's um, let's call that one finished. We'll wrap that
4: up. Can I make we'll, one more comment, please? I would like that, yes. Um, if people are planning to work while they're traveling – um, just make sure that your travel insurance covers you to work because quite a lot of them you'll find in the small prints that you are instantly disqualified.
0: Good point. Oh, well, we'll yes. talk maybe more about that on our next topic because, you know, it, it'll be it's sort of connected in a way with that. But that's interesting. That's something you don't think about. It's like, you know, getting insurance and finding out you're not covered for over a 90cc motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not only waste of money, but certainly gets you no coverage at all. Well, let's take a break. We will take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about emergencies, which sounds very dark and scary. And I'm just going to leave it right there. This episode of Raw is supported by FreshTracks.co.uk. FreshTracks works with companies or groups to motivate, inspire, and build communication skills through team building. And they've been doing it for a lot of years now. And they have a host of programs to suit any company's requirements. They work with companies like Mars, Pfizer, Comic Relief, and, and many more. Their website, freshtracks.co.uk. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio Raw. freshtracks.co.uk. Thank you, Fresh Tracks. Okay, emergency preparedness is our, is our next topic. Um, emergency preparedness for motorcycle travel. What, what does that mean to you guys, emergency preparedness?
1: Oh, um i think it's when the thing goes
2: that's your that's your limit of when things go seriously wrong you have that oh uh, what did they say oh if around and find out <laughs> that's when you find out. <laughs> It's that moment that you have to to bring in all your backups to get out of it
3: no i think it it includes anything from small incidents to major things um i think all of us yeah, this... with, when you start preparing for a trip you Think not only of medication that that you that you need, but also. Well, I love this cream. Will I run into emergency not having it? And then, of course, the big stuff. If if I do fall off my bike, can they find me? Can I be covered?
2: I think it's a, it's probably yeah. the most intense uh, um, research of your entire trip for for, for traveling, um, and the most exhausting because. And the most there's expensive. There's all the small print. There's the. There's what's the difference between travel insurance and medical insurance? And and um, for example, uh, I'm not sure if it's still like that with the with the um, the UK people, as they are not allowed as UK people to ride motorcycles over 250 CCs on gravel roads in some other countries. Um, on, on trips and have they won't be so world nomads have excluded them and, and one guy got seriously sick and stuff happens, but there's, there's all those small little fine prints that you have to go through. So I think for for planning purposes, it's probably the most tedious thing that you're going to do is, is all this um, emergency preparedness um, exercise.
0: And it's probably the thing that is, well, it's definitely the thing that is, that is the least exciting to do for, for a trip. I mean, it, it, when you talk about, about travel, when you talk about going somewhere, very rarely does anyone ever start at this end of it. I mean, yeah, you start exactly. with, with the things you want to see and what are you going to ride and how are you going to prep your bike and what are you going to pack, all of those sorts of things. But emergencies, yeah, well, yeah. that's sort of almost like an afterthought. Yeah. And you
7: certainly don't spend a lot of time reading 10 pages of fine print on a medical policy. No, yeah. But, but you, but should, you but have You to. Should have yeah. to. Yeah.
3: yeah, I think the this third reality is a lot of people don't, a lot of travelers don't do the research. And once they start looking into it, they either get such a a fright or they realize how expensive it is. And instead of, okay, hold on, I need to rethink and maybe start my trip later, they opt to just ignore these things. Um, and I think we all know of a lot of incidences where people ran into serious problems, didn't prepare themselves and had to rely heavily on other people and on fundraisings to help them out of the situation.
4: Yep.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, that's and, and, a big problem. Insurance is a classic, isn't it? And I just do not like the idea of sponging off somebody else's medical oh, system. Oh, yes. Um, Amen. It's it's just wrong.
0: Let, let's just start with um, maybe talking about the different kinds of things that we we'll prepare for, and then sort of go into them at, at one at a time. Medical is the obvious one that you guys have, have just talked about now. But what other sort of things would you prepare for, and sort of a, under the heading of emergency preparedness?
3: Evacuation plans.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Have, you need to have a will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's you?
3: that's
7: yeah. a basic so thing. You I want to, to make yeah. if, if if you die. You want to make sure people at home know what you wanted and how to deal with whatever it was you wanted. You don't yeah. want to add to their trauma. They've lost you. So don't make it worse by leaving everything up in the air and nobody has a password to your accounts for anything. And it's a, it's a complete cluster. You just don't want to do that. So have a proper will made up and make sure that you've covered everything including passwords to your account.
1: Yeah. You've heard us talk about that and leaving letters that we've we've done before. And uh, to me, that's that's the starting point.
5: And as well as the passwords to your account, Grant, another yeah. thing that's good is just to let people know what you want done with yeah. you if you die yes.
6: out mm-hmm. well, of disease. Because your a family will, will
5: mm-hmm. go, oh, no, we've got to, you know, but just yeah, make we'll sure that that's somewhere that they can find stuff. straight away rather than yeah. lose the will, go to the lawyer's yeah, 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 yeah. Just,
0: so so let me just say though so we got medical we got evacuation we got wheel passwords which I think is almost like a separate thing altogether uh, I, I'm thinking what about um, things like a emergency beacon you know when you think of taking a, a inreach or a Zoe yeah. or something like yeah, that Susan yeah. won't let
7: me out of the house without one, no one <laughs> but I'm me. gonna go for a ride I've got a garmin in reach mini too it's on and it's tracking every 10 minutes and she can keep track of where the heck I am at any point. Always. Yeah, exactly. And when we yep. did
5: the stands and those kind of roads, yeah, true, we had a…
1: true we had Russia a, we did
7: that. We but, um, you know, I
1: don't know. If, if you're in Europe and riding European roads, I don't know whether that's… You know, some people say yes, some people say no. Um,
0: well, let's let's come back to it. We'll talk into more detail. I was just sort of trying to get an idea of a list of things that we would be talking about under this heading. Beacon, anything else? Can cash. anyone
7: think of it? Cash. cash. Have yeah. cash mm-hmm. on hand. Mm-hmm. U.S. dollars, lots of it. Uh, yeah. Our mantra going through Africa was… Enough cash that we can get a taxi to the airport and get on a plane now and get out. That was our basic minimum. And it it made us feel better whether it was sensible, whether it was ever going to be needed. But we knew that we were going to get out. And that was a big thing for us and also for my mother and Susan's mother and family. We said, you know, this is what we've done. They said, oh, good. Hmm. And they felt a lot better. more, More than one credit card.
1: Space in a
7: point keys. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> Two yep. sets so of spare spares, keys. <laughs> spares. Yeah. Um, cards. No, spares. Paperwork. Make sure you got copies of all your documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, copies, paper, yeah. Pa- multiple paper copies with you because you can arrive at Borders and they want like six copies. Yeah. Or they send you to their brother up the street who has a photocopier and charges you right. an outrageous amount to make the photocopies that you really mm. don't need, but they want them because he needs to make money. It's money. money. Right. <laughs>
0: it's money. Well, let's, yeah. let's go back to that medical though, for, for to start with. Okay. Let, let's start there and, and sort of dig in and we'll go through these, these different um, uh, titles that we've come up with for this. Medical's big, right? This is, yeah. this is huge medical or no medical. You know, some people will actually travel without medical insurance. There was a little bit of talk there about, you know, someone getting stuck and having to to do a GoFundMe. You really, I mean, you know, what do you guys think I mean, no insurance, insurance.
7: Absolutely insurance. And, Absolutely. and I think you're, you're being uh, unfair to other people. You're being rude. You're unthinking. You're being callous selfish. and selfish, selfish, selfish yeah. big time. Um, you've got to have medical insurance because other people, when they see that you've been injured and you don't have insurance, they will feel required to help. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to be a sponge? I mean,
4: really, come on. Dude, be responsible for yourself. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. Sorry, but, uh, and and I think that insurance has to, to, to cover all of the countries you, you're going to go to. So yes. if, for example, you suddenly decide, oh, actually I quite fancy going there. Um, this sounds really good place. And all these other travelers I'm meeting that are telling me to go there. Yeah, just make sure that your insurance covers you for there too. But I like an insurance policy that has recovery from wherever yes. something goes wrong. Um, ambulance cover because some policies don't Um, and I also like to have um, the ability to be taken to the best possible hospital for my particular situation and I like repatriation Um, insurance policy has to cover all of those things. There yeah, There is nasty stings two. there, aren't there? I mean, I know oh. stories about people who suddenly realise that recovery and ambulance cover isn't covered in their um, their insurance policy. Yeah. They didn't oh, yeah. read the yeah. small print. What Come you to don't Australia know that? and use
5: an ambulance, and it will really ruin your holiday yeah. if yep. you haven't got ambulance cover.
4: Yep. I had that prang in the States near San Francisco, and oh, I was sitting there in the back of the ambulance thinking, yes, I've got insurance for this. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then, oof. <laughs> mm. A lot less stress that way, mm. isn't there?
2: Yeah. You know, I, mean, I mean, it's a small print is like, you know, America, if you if you go to America on any insurance policy, um, they're either going to charge you a fee for that additional or the, your premium is going to increase probably by double.
3: But in most um, cases, yeah. uh, international medicals don't cover you in the USA, so then you have to take out a top-up travel insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
7: Yeah, there's three basic tiers of medical insurance. There's the, the, the expensive tier that covers everywhere. Then there's the one down that doesn't cover USA and maybe, maybe not Canada. And then there's the next one down that doesn't cover Europe. Mm, and then yeah. there's the rest of the world. So you've got three significant tiers and they, prices between the three tiers is very significant. <laughs> Tell me about but it. If
5: you, if you can't afford the coverage, don't go on the trip.
7: Yes, absolutely. You're, just going to, you're going to
5: ruin it for yourself and you're going to ruin it for your family. And I've got to say, nothing irritates me more than seeing GoFundMe because I've got myself into a bucket load of drama and I didn't plan for it.
7: Mm. I get really cross about Um, that. I agree.
5: Agreed. Mm.
7: Yes.
0: Um, Now, the fine print thing I think is, is interesting because you don't really like, I mean, if you don't know, you really don't know what to look for. And Sam, you had a list of things there that you said that you had to have covered. Maybe you could just go through those again. Uh, because for someone who doesn't know what to be looking for in the final.
4: Okay. Well, I want to have recovery. So for example, I'm riding a motorcycle and I'm getting way off the beaten track and I want to have insurance that is going to arrange for um, an ambulance or a truck or um, a helicopter, whatever, to come and get me from, from wherever I've, wherever I've fallen off and can, can no longer ride or because I'm in a place that Actually, I've picked up the local Lurgy big time and yeah, I need medical care right now. Um, So I've got to have recovery. I also want to have ambulance cover because quite often they're different in policies. Um, So developing world um, or developed world country, particularly developed world countries, um, ambulance costs can just be um, stupid money. Um, And I also want to have repatriation because, uh, you know, if things are really, really bad, then I want my insurance policy to cover the cost of getting me back. But I also want the policy to say not the nearest hospital, but the nearest Mm -hmm. appropriate hospital. And there's a big difference. I've seen the inside of um, hospitals in developing world countries. And some of them, yeah, they're really struggling for funds. And you just see it all the way around and you just think, actually, if there's an alternative, I'd rather have the alternative, please. And I need a policy that, that says that I'm going to be covered for that.
0: Well, well, thank you for giving the, the examples, because I think that's important because I doubt all these insurance companies use the same names for each one of these <laughs> things. But just to understand the things that you're, that you're looking for is important. And it, and it must be like, it, it's difficult. I mean, sure, when, Sam, when you're buying insurance, it must be difficult to find all of these things in a a policy.
4: Oh, and you add a medical condition in there as well. And it really narrows you down. Um, I spent two solid weeks looking for insurance for my last two um, trips to the States. And I only found one company that would cover me um, with my kidney transplant, riding a motorcycle over 125cc in the USA. Um, And wow, it was eye-watering the expensive. Um, sure. But yeah, I could have decided not to do it, but hell no, I'm young enough, I'm fit <laughs> enough, and there's a lot of very good reasons to go and ride, so I'm going to do it. You may ask me how much it cost me, um, but oh. I, I might just take some a quick pop of tranquilizer. Hang on a second. Okay, <laughs> okay go. hey, yeah. Sam. Okay, Sam, yeah.
0: how much sure, did sir. your insurance cost <laughs> you?
4: 3000 For nine weeks, 3600 US dollars. And And you paid Nine weeks. I paid that. But
5: Sam, if you'd had a crash or you'd got really unwell and you had to go to hospital, what would it have cost you?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. And so, you know, you just got to be common sense, levelling out your thoughts. And yes, of course, you've got to be sane um, uh, with what you're doing out there. And bear in mind that, you know, things can go badly wrong. Um, why would you head out on a motorcycle into the middle of the Sahara Desert when your chains and sprockets are knackered? To me, that's the same thing as heading out without decent travel insurance.
2: Well, the world has changed so much that you have to have it. There's just no medical. Medical has become a a big business for for that reason. I mean, you, there's, there's just you, there's no ways. Some places, I think, Uruguay or some of these countries, that they will still help you if you if you get it because it, it's free medical for even for even for um, for travellers. But you can't you can't rely on that to to be your saviour if you stuff do go wrong.
4: No, you, you can't, and, it, and it's just not fair either, is it? Because you know there are so many countries that there are countries out there that will give um, free medical attention to people travelling through. But they are often countries that are struggling for resources in the first place. What right do we have as travellers to go into those countries and have something happen and then take away the money that should be looking after the local people? We don't have that right.
0: Mm. When you came back with your $3,600 you spent, surely they gave you a good portion of that back because nothing happened.
4: Good luck. (laughs) Mm, That'd be very nice. Pre-COVID, that same travel insurance um, policy for the same sort of, um, for a whole year would have been $500. Wow. Oh, wow. Mm. That That's insane. Cute. Insurance companies are really riding this game. Um, but anyway, the moral of the story is go traveling, but do it with decent travel insurance. But also it's it's common sense stuff, isn't it? And one of my favorite sayings is eat well and sleep well, travel with a smile. And taking care of your health cuts down the chances of you actually ever needing to use your insurance policy. And I think Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of my comments to people is take a curious look at the lurgies that you can catch um, in the areas that you're going to and the things that you can do to decrease the risk Um, and then what you need to do if you do get into trouble. Um, I think it's fascinating, and it's another way of learning about the different places that you're travelling, because you have the advantage of travelling through those places. You're not a local person who is surrounded by those logies all of the time, um, so it just gives you an insight into um, the different places that you'll be travelling. But it also means that you've got a chance to think about the things that you need to do to decrease um, the, the risk of you catching something.
0: For those who don't speak English. Lurgies, are um, viruses, diseases, <laughs> things like that.
4: <laughs> Thank you, Jim. You've so, got a job. Yeah, so <laughs> just to add
2: to, to, add to Sam's, Sam's comments, that you have to choose your adventures while well on, well on a trip because you get to places in, in, in the top of Colombia and they have kite surfing and it looks romantic and it's nice and the guy's like, come lead, we'll show you, we'll teach you. Boop, ligaments off. Mike needs to be rapid, some of the, some of the excursions is just not, maybe it's time for, you know, you can do it in another time. You don't need to do it now. You don't need to go base yeah. jumping now. It's, if it's your first time. And, <laughs> you do it. Yeah, it's
0: such a good point. Well, you're on a motorcycle trip exactly. in a foreign country. Mm, yeah. no, that's, that's good advice. No, that is- Anyone else, anything to add for the medical?
8: I had a couple of things to say. One about the insurance. I was not able to find a policy that included all of that in one. So I actually had two separate policies. I had my medical insurance. Um, and then I also bought a separate evacuation and repatriation insurance. So um, y- you have to be careful of that. You may be doubling up in expenses in some places, but that happened to be how it worked best for me.
0: And that's good to know that you can actually get it because, you know, yeah. Sam was talking about having so much trouble finding one that had everything. It's good to know it's a, possi- a possibility anyway that you could find what you didn't get in one and another. So that's yeah, good that's good.
6: Gen- that's right. Generally, the,
7: thing- the I was going to say, add, add to that before Michelle goes on to something else. Generally yeah. – you're not going to get the two together in one policy. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen it personally in a single world policy.
2: Nomads had it at the time. Nomads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had repatriation to home. Repatriation so, to home. They even had for if you're if you like my mom passed away, they they, they send us back home. So they home for the whole thing. yeah. World
3: nomads. Yeah. Policy is similar to a lot of uh, travel insurance. They retain the right to decide whether they stabilize you and send you home. But once you're back home, you're on your own or whether they treat you in the country. Um, so when I had my ligaments ripped in Mexico, we were on World Nomads. Uh, but they they realized that to take me back home would have cost them more than just for me to have the ligaments out of choice. They gave me the choice to have it done in Mexico. Um, so if you're in a country where you do have medical problems uh, back home and it covers you really well and there's no exemptions because you're on a motorcycle or doing a certain sport, then it is worthwhile looking into just a travel insurance that will either, if it's an emergency, will cover you or if if it's something that you have to get home back for, that they will take you back home we're currently on a medical aid no we're it? now currently on a full medical aid or a full hospital plan because South Africa do not cover you no medical insurance or a scheme covers you outside of South Africa for longer than three months yeah that's you're,
2: common you're, mm-hmm. but, that, yeah. but that includes a repatriation yeah so back.
3: even if we come back after six months and they, we have to come back for medical treatment we are not allowed to have medical treatment until we've contributed for three months so only on month four that oh. you're paying you oh. get uh, coverage again so for us it's not viable therefore we're on an international uh, hospital plan
2: but it is yeah. stupid uh, i've written myself and susie from um a video a few years ago we've written a long article about medical does all medical things um and you need the first thing is read the fine print not once not twice try and do it three times if you don't understand it, take it to a lawyer let them explain it to you.
3: It's very um, important, especially
2: travel insurance the the, the ones that not uh, just a normal travel insurance that they will repatriate you and they'll they'll pay for your stolen laptop. Those guys if they, if somebody's not going to pay you it's them. Um, but the the, the medical uh, the, the proper medical travel like for expats and these people that there's, there's quite a few companies that's very good in that uh, but like shall also mentioned that some there's, there's a lot of exclusions so, uh, UK people can't ride motorcycles over 250cc or you can't do action sports and, but what defines an action adventure yeah, or sport and kite be, or kite riding or something
0: like, like that, that. yeah mm. Miknis you can, you can uh, send us a link for that article that you wrote and we can put it in the show
2: notes I will do that oh please. nice one good okay good okay
0: uh, now, Michelle, you had another one?
8: Yeah. And and actually, McNess is making kind of a point of something that I was going to bring up. I've seen a lot of policies that limit you or will have an exclusion for injuries out over like 150 cc, 250 cc bikes. Um, but I will say that, and I am sorry that I can't remember, um, it was three letters, but an insurance company that I used about um, six years ago, I bought a policy and then again, four years ago, they were doing it and I haven't done it since. So I'm not sure if they're still actively doing it, um, but they would allow discussion and potentially some changes to some of their exclusions. So it is possible mm-hmm. to write the company and ask um, and see if there's any flexibility on the exclusions. I did have two policies then in different years amended to a 650cc bike and I got that policy in writing. Um, So you want to make sure you have it in writing, but it is worth asking and seeing if some of the, some of them would consider doing it. And I will say it changes the price point. So just, just know it's not for the same price. It may double or triple the cost of the policy, but if you're still able to have coverage, that's just something that you need to take a look at.
4: Such a good point, Michelle. I did exactly the same thing one time. I had all I could find um, that was affordable for me was one two five cc. Well, I was riding and going to be riding an eight hundred cc motorcycle, and I phoned the insurance company and I said that um, I can see this. Um, I'd really like your policy. I you like the look of it, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Bit of flannel, um, but I'm going to be on an eight hundred cc motorcycle. The girl I talked to said, "Well, how long you been riding for?" Oh, and I said 20-odd um, years and eight years of that was around the world. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem at all. Yeah. And they great. give you that in writing. Yeah. They gave it me in writing oh, just because great. I asked and, Good. you know, talked, yeah. explained.
7: Yeah. Yeah, they're mainly afraid of uh, people on backpacking holidays and they're going to rent a, a bike and it's a big bike and they don't know how to ride. Mm-hmm. And they have yeah, all kinds sense. of access. You get places like Bali and Thailand, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Places in Mexico, same thing. It's just idiots running around in shorts and, well, shorts, that's it. Yeah. Yep, they (laughs) get hurt, and they get hurt bad. Yep. Mm.
0: Seen it. So anything anything else under that header?
5: Can I tell a a positive story about an insurance company? And I know we don't get too many of those. Yes, (laughs) yes. But there was a a bus trip of Australians um, in Egypt. Egypt. And they had uh, a terrible crash. Some of the people on the bus were killed and others very seriously injured. One insurance company insisted that the people they were covering went to the international hospital. And this goes to what Sam was saying about the, the level of hospital care. The other people who went with this particular insurance company were taken to the local hospital where the level of care and hygiene was not as good uh, insurance company A made it their business to get all those people into the international hospital because sure. they were it was a tour group, they were all friends, um, and just some had chosen a different company. Now, the insurance company didn't yeah. have to do that and it would have cost them, but they did it. And speaking to some of the people who were on that trip, the difference in the two hospitals was extraordinary. And they believe their level of recovery and the speed of their recovery was directly related to the fact that they'd shifted to the International Hospital.
4: How wonderful. Wow. Well, but, wow. Yeah. Good. Good on them. Well, it is
0: nice to hear a, a big company, a corporation taking, uh, well, actually caring. Sure. <laughs> You're right. It's, it's a story you don't hear very much. Um, yeah. Uh, the next one on our on our list was wills and and passport passwords were thrown thrown in there as well. I don't th- I don't know is there much to be said about a will. I mean I know we talked about this before and 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 Brian you did mention that, you know that you guys do up your will. Uh, is there much we do we do yeah. we add much to uh, the wills I, I think
1: topic? Some people try to do their own wills. Don't do that. Go to a solicitor. Yeah, you, know, you need powers of attorney, all that sort of stuff. Um, you're better off spending a little bit of money and making sure it's spot on and right. And the other thing is talk to your family about it so they know what your, your um, wishes are. Uh, and uh, in, in our instance, we actually left letters, didn't we, Shirley, mm. just in case. And
5: power of attorney is a very a good thing to think about too because if you're injured and you're not capable of accessing your bank account mm. but people at home need to access your bank account to pay bills for you wherever you are recovering – if they've got a power of attorney, they can go to the bank.
4: Yeah, really say,
1: good
5: point. They can say, yeah. "Well, you know, Bill's in hospital; he can't access, but this is my power of attorney that I can run their bank accounts, or even
1: just to pay bills at home." Yeah, pay, yeah, yeah, just
5: to get just just one less thing you need to worry about if you're crook.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and especially even if you um, if you're incapacitated, if you if you have brain damage, you know, having a power of attorney. And having your next of kin stuff makes, makes life a little bit easier if your, if your mom wants to get you or your friends want to get back to you or they want to get you back from a country um, and you have no means of talking or, or, you know, so all those kind of things is, is quite important. Um, and then also, obviously, leaving your Bitcoin account password for a friend, that's very important.
1: You need to do that. <laughs> Especially if <you're> he's <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> Are you volunteering?
0: Do you do that for people, (laughs) Magnus? Do you hold their Bitcoin passwords for them just in case?
1: Oh, for sure. No. (laughs)
0: Very kind
4: of. Such (laughs) such a gentleman.
0: That's
2: lovely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The password thing, it can be overlooked very easily. But in this world that we live in now, I mean, how many passwords do we have? I mean, I, I use a program for my passwords. Everybody because should. It's just too, yeah, there's too many passwords to remember. So imagine the mess you leave for somebody who's trying to either deal with something the aftermath or try and help you with your own things without having passwords. Yeah,
7: yep. the PIN for your bank account, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. In fact, it's a good idea to make sure that somebody at home has, a, it's a joint account with somebody at home so that they can go in and without any hassle, they can deal with your bank account. Uh, I mean, having power of attorney is great, but having gone through that for somebody, um, it's a lot of faffing about. Whereas if it's a joint account, no problem. And if somebody, mm-hmm. if you die, they have, then somebody has a joint account with you, no problem at all. They can yeah. do anything they want. They can Whereas deal your with
5: accounts it. can be yeah. frozen.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It, it gets mm-hmm. frozen until the power of attorney, until it's gone through the will process and all kinds of stuff. But mm-hmm. joint account, no problem
5: but always make sure it's someone you trust.
7: (laughs) Oh, that's That's a good point. But you've, you've got to take care of all that kind of stuff for sure.
0: So passwords make sense. Um, some sort of beacon. Mickness, do you guys carry one? Do you carry a, a Spot or Zolio or
2: something? Yeah, we we actually had two. Uh, another thing I wrote a long article about because there was so much confusion, I, I couldn't figure out what's what and, and the payments and the subscriptions and the, the one charges more <laughs> than the other one. And what it covers
3: um, mm-hmm. and what it doesn't.
2: And it's a good thing having it, I think because we have the technology now, it's, it's something nice to, to have, but it is an expensive item and some people will not be able to to, um, but to, there is to use different it. options. I mean, um, between
3: but, the
2: spot and the, the yeah, th- But that's saying that if you can't afford one, you don't want to have one. At least, you know, so, make and you and, and like us, we don't we don't have to be on cell phones every single day. You know, uh, talking in with, with somebody to But at least tell people where you're going. We had a incident um, about a year or so ago with a, a guy that just got lost. Um, he was uh, in, in South America and. What happens is the family got hold of the, the Facebook group and they ask everybody in the Facebook group, please help out. It. And it, 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 it's got a whole string of events that happened after that. And eventually, two weeks later, they figure out, the guy's like, yeah, so what happened? Nothing, where were you? No, it was just like on a holiday here in Colombia or somewhere else. He just didn't call his mom. And it's a, no, is, that it. kind of responsibility that you have if you do not to carry a satellite Right, so it
0: all spirals out of control sort of thing yeah. or in, into a great big thing because he didn't leave any details on where he was yeah, going. we'll yep. just talking to his
2: with mom it. once a week or say to a listener, well, friends, just tell friends where sort of you're going to what whatever the case may be. With. Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing is that a cell phone is not a beacon. It's not a tracker. So when you're out of reach, you don't have anything. so yeah. That mm-hmm. also, you see that in Facebook groups like, oh, I've got my cell phone, I'll get, now. you won't. Your cell phone, if there's no signal, there's no signal. And although uh, some of the new apples has got the ability to act as a tracker, apparently that whole system is also not, is going sideways. Um, It's very expensive for people. And it only works, I think, currently in the US and Canada. I'm not sure. I don't think it covers the entire world. No, that's about right. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what we're talking about here is satellite transceivers, right? So whether, like we're saying, beacon satellite transceivers, I mean, there's e but it's not really, I don't think it's suitable necessarily for um, No, it's not suitable for us at all. Yeah. But, but the satellite transceiver, you know, the, the spot or whatever, you know, at least you can check in, but it, and, and for, to further what you said there, Mickness, about telling people what you're doing, it's also good to let people know that if you're the type of person that is going to disappear for a couple of days or, and, and not bother with your satellite, uh, your check-in or whatever it is to let them know, Hey, don't panic. You know, it's like maybe set up some, some, some boundaries with it, some rules saying, it's going to, if I'm gone for a week, you know, or if I'm gone for three days or whatever your rule is, yeah. then please, you know, see what you can do for me.
3: What, what we do is we give the uh, login for our tracker to uh, each side of our family, to one one of the people. So if anybody goes, you know, where's Mechanus and Alcibi, someone can log in and see where we were at last. Uh, and it mm-hmm. normally gives them a general idea. Oh, no, we haven't moved. They probably just sleeping or, you know, they've moved, they're on the move, they're okay, you know, as long as the bikes are moving. So it does help a lot. We initially got it more to give my my mother a little bit of comfort that we're not reckless, (laughs) but we've (laughs) come to really – actually enjoy it and it it's also a safeguard if we ride and i mean i had i've seen mechnas in a serious accident in front of me and knowing what happens luckily that time it was uh, you know close to where we used to stay so i had a big support system but even just riding with the spot with me thinking that if one of us gets hurt so seriously, the other one doesn't have to panic about running around trying to find somebody to come and find us. You just merely press a button. So it it, it makes a huge difference.
2: But it's, the other thing is also that we are as motorcycle riders, we are at risk, or bicycle riders, you are at risk being on the road in different countries. More than what you sh- more than the average person, so your chances probably, and I'm not a statist, is what the statistician, what what's what's the word. I don't, I'm running out of English. Um, <laughs> air time is up, my air time is up. <laughs> <laughs> so your, the, that your chances of getting to an accident is probably higher than, than the normal average person. So it's having it's good having some yeah. something as a backup.
1: One thing yeah. people don't do with um, these trackers. Is uh, carry it on their person. Mm-hmm. Don't leave yes. it on yes. the bike. Uh, I can cite two instances of people coming off high speed on dirt roads, separated from their bike, and uh, the tracker is on the bike and not on them. So yeah, it you crawling the back to get the tracker and all those sorts of things. So. And
5: there was the tracker that fell out of a tank bag yeah, and hit yeah. someone in <laughs> the foot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs>
0: And that's if you can find it because it, the, some of them, they sell mounts for the, m- many of the trackers. Yeah. So you can put it on like a, you know, a, a mount, a handlebar mount. And the problem with that is, is it's liable to
7: come off, yeah. right? If you get into a major tumble, then it's off in the in the side of the road. Who knows where it is? It has to be on you. It's yeah. easy to become separated from your bike. I mean, I can't remember the last time I was still attached to my bike when I crashed. You're yeah, separated. Yeah. And you may not even be able to get up. I mean, I crashed mm-hmm. in the mountains here just a month ago. And I was lying on my back and, oh, this this hurts. I'm not feeling very good. And the bike was 10 feet away from me. But my sat tracker was right there and I could have reached up and pushed the button. I had somebody with me and I you know, I was all right. and just took a few minutes to get over the wham. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to have it on you and it's got to be accessible. It's not stuck in a pocket. It's not in your backpack. It's not even mm-hmm. on the outside of your backpack. It's on the front of you where you can just reach up with whichever hand is still working and push the button. But there's also there's also a catch to this to this whole track of things because it gives you a false sense of security.
2: And um, and there was one or two instances where people press the button and they, they it, it um, again the the chain of events goes ballistic because now it's rescue services and all to going to to Because to they didn't them. understood how
3: because it works. Because they worked.
2: either didn't understood how it works or they just had a drop with a bike they couldn't pick up, um, way too heavy for them. Uh, so you, you, you're using other people's in other countries' resources that uh, so out of your own, um, you know, better, you, you're supposed to make better decisions of where you're going with what gear you're going with with a bike that you're not supposed to be on or something like that.
7: Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. SOS button is medical emergency. I'm going to die if you don't come and get me. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah. Or, or impending, for sure. I mean, yeah. it has to be something like that. I know there there's horror stories of people getting flat tires and <laughs> pressing these buttons like it's some sort of roadside service or something yeah, like no. that. And, and <laughs> it's not free everywhere either. There, there is insurance for this. I know, Mickness, you probably covered this when you when you wrote your article. Yeah. There's um, extra insurance you can buy with your satellite tracker All that right. will cover them finding you, et cetera, because some countries may charge or the satellite tracking system, the the, the company that they use, they may get somebody local in your area of the area that you are that may expect to be paid for finding you and helping you. Yes. So that's something to know yeah. and yeah. think
7: about. And helicopter time can be really expensive. Runs around $5,000 an hour. Oh, this and a you don't
5: really is this want thing? to activate the army by mistake. Yeah. No.
2: <laughs> no. no.
7: Yeah.
5: <laughs>
4: yeah. The question um, that I want to ask is um, – with the, the the technology that's now available to us, should we ignore the old school way of doing things, or should we be doing them at the same time, regardless? So, for example,
2: you told
1: me to be doing it. Go on. It's a mixture. I think.
2: Say it again, Magnus. No, that, what what uh, Sam is saying is that you you know stick to the old ways because it's 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 maybe a sort of analog thing. It's the same when you go going to a new country. Figure out. When you go into a country, figure out what is the what is the things happening in that country. What what do you do if the, if the police are sort of on your side, and maybe they're not on your side, or you know, what what dangers are there in the country, and what what and places you need to avoid. And
3: don't forget why you're traveling. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, you, so you're saying that's the analog size. In other words, don't just think that mm. because you have all this stuff that you can just travel in bliss, and and if something goes wrong, you press your button and you're scooped up and, and taken
4: away to safety. Yeah, no, yeah. Something, something no, that's that's how that. that you were meaning. Yeah, Sam? that's the point that I was making, and it was it was hand mm. in hand with oh, okay. another stage, um, which is you know the old school way of doing things was that if you were going into a country that was a little bit on the dodgy side, then you'd let somebody at, the, at your um, country's embassy know where you know where you were going and what your time. Scale was. Um, in Australia, um, for example, when I was going off the beaten track, I'd report to the local police station or to the local par- bar um, that I was heading out on this particular track and that I was going to probably take this amount of time and that I'd report in on the other side. And I know that that still happens now, doesn't it, Brian and Shirley? Yep. Yep.
1: yep.
4: Still yeah. happens, particularly at and-
1: yeah, Birdsville.
4: Yeah. So, you know, those sorts of things, I think, even though we now have the technology um, availability, I think that those sorts of things still make um, common sense to do.
0: Mm. If the places are doing it, like what I think of when you said that is I'm thinking of like phone booths. You know, it used to be that there were phone booths around. If you broke down, you'd go to a phone booth, and and often when you broke down on the side of the road, somebody would see you broke down. They figure, well, you got to walk a long way to the phone booth. They're going to stop and help you. Whereas now, what people do is they just drive by somebody broken down because they fully expect you have a cell phone. So my point is, is as long as that those those avenues are still used, so that you don't wait there for somebody to stop, and, you know, or or in, in you know different case, but and it doesn't uh-huh. happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, we actually picked up a couple of guys on the road um, two weeks ago, sure, didn't we? We did. Yeah.
0: Because they were broken down?
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. And
5: they down. said, yeah. oh, um, Brian gave them a card with our phone number on it so they could ring us if they didn't get out of the strife they were in there. He said, Oh, you've traveled around the world. And I said, yes, we now travel around central Victoria looking for people in trouble. And they've looked at me
6: and he <laughs> <laughs> kind, of to-
5: kind of started to laugh and then looked really nervous. But in the end, they did need us to come and get yeah. them. So-
0: <laughs> <laughs> he started wondering. Yeah, exactly. So yes, I could see that.
5: this mad woman? Get her own way.
0: So the next thing was cash. I think cash is pretty obvious. It's an it's a, escape right? Um, Absolutely. For instance, uh, let me bring in Michelle here. Michelle, you've been fairly quiet. Um, <laughs> can you just maybe talk about cash for a second?
8: Um, I usually travel with some U.S. dollars that I keep stashed. I have a little bit um, tucked away in a couple different places on my bike and on my person. Um, and there's some different ways that you can hide money if you need to. I know one that used to be was um, talked about was like an old chapstick tube, something that's unassuming that's in your tank bag or in your pocket that other people wouldn't recognize. Um, But U.S. dollars seem to work pretty worldwide. Um, And I also have a a cash card and I carry a little bit of cash from whatever country I'm traveling in. And I think, you know, Brian and Shirley or someone made the point earlier, just have enough to be able to get somewhere and get help um, at a minimum. Um, it, It doesn't necessarily require lots of cash on hand because that's also a risk. Um, but the ability to get some, get to a place and get more if you need it, but enough cash to get out of whatever your current situation is and to a place where you can get help.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely spot on. I mean, it, yeah. the, the most extreme situation is going to be war or something like that, isn't it? Where you've just got to get to the nearest airport or the nearest seaport and you've got to have the money to do that. The banks are closed, there's power cuts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you've got to be able to just do that. Um, but it's also, for example, when you break down and you're a long way from, from help and you cannot fix your bike, so then you wait for a truck to come along and you pay for your bike to go on the back of a truck and get you to um, a large town or a city where there's you know a chance of finding somebody that you can work with to put the problem right. But actually that driver's, truck driver is going to be pretty happy if you can put some cash in his hand. Oh yes, uh, <laughs> I'll
1: give you another example. Just last week, uh, our second biggest telco went down, and uh, companies like no one could, like, Shirley couldn't make phone calls on her phone, um, and that was for almost a day.
5: Oh, businesses couldn't Bus- use Businesses costs. could not <laughs> run
1: uh, uh, service stations. Couldn't accept credit cards. Uh, things like that. So cash is king. So let's start a revolution, and don't let the banks. Uh, send us towards a cashless society because uh, <laughs> that, that's that's next
2: on the agenda. Yeah, but like, I, yeah, I, if you see how many people still use cash, I think that luckily, hopefully, it will still be a, a while because a lot of people don't trust the governments and the and the and the banks, so they they will still stick to to cash.
4: But it's changing. I'm I, seeing shops in the oh, UK yeah. now that have signs, card only. They do not take cash anymore. Samba, that's first world countries. Yeah, you know? yeah that is first yeah. world countries. You're right, Magnus.
7: Yeah. yeah, yeah, first world countries for sure. I mean, hardly anybody uses cash here. I mean, I can go into a grocery store and their till is empty. There's nothing in there except yeah. the basic float. You know, people are not using cash, everything's credit card. So we so we, um, we always may get into a country, the first thing
2: you do is we always try before the border, maybe exchange a bit of money with, with fellow travelers, to just to when you get in a country, the first thing you do is we buy a beer, get settled, and then we, we do the rest, you will find some, some, um, some cash. But we had a situation even now in, in, in one of the, the game parks, which was sort of out of the way, and they do have internet there, but it's not the best internet, so you, you, you tap your, your phone, and then the machine says the client. And then there was a queue of people and they start looking at you like, Oh, yeah, you're one of those dudes. You know, <laughs> trying, trying <laughs> and and, oh. So and then you to try again it doesn't work, and then you take out take out money and you pay the dude. And then the next person comes along and the, the lady just moves the, the the machine a little bit and boop yeah, transactions go true. through. Ha.
1: So yeah, oh, you always have a oh, lot of cash with you. We can relate a story about uh, being in Alaska and um fueling up our bike, and the army were on manoeuvres up there. <laughs> Remember that, show? And they had about oh, 15 trucks. There must have
5: been little, little yeah. tanks and little uh, also, transporters and big transporters, and there was one man, the boss, with the credit card, and we were standing behind him <laughs> in the queue to pay for fuel inside the shop, and yeah. his card Decline. Declined. declined. No. Oh, <laughs> so no. no, no. <laughs> and the fuel is getting ever longer, and he is looking yeah. at like 15 or 20 vehicles that have all just fueled up at this petrol station Whoa, so and a, a car that doesn't work. Yeah. And I presume wow. his personal credit card wouldn't have covered the petrol bill. Um, <laughs>
0: right.
5: It was hilarious. For the
0: military. That's embarrassing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, the next one was uh, spare documents. Carrying spare documents. So th- now, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to set yourself up with online storage. I mean, there's so much of it offered now. It's, it's pretty straightforward, I think.
7: Yeah, you should. But yeah. you have to actually bother to do it. And you have to take photocopies of everything. And then every once in a while, you have to renew a document like your registration renewal every year or whatever. And you need to make sure that you remember to actually do that and update it. And what happens if you're robbed and you walk away basically with your underwear and that's it? Well, you've got to have access. You've got to be able to get to that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you also want to have copies with you for that. I think we talked about this at the very beginning. You've got to have paper copies at a lot of borders. They want copies of everything. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have some spare copies with you of the basic registration, passport, et cetera, documents. And especially if your bike papers get stolen. Um Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Have copies. And have yeah. them online. Copies online. And
2: when you when you get those little tickets and you get those little um, whatever they give you at uh, at customs, normally when you go through a border post, they stamp Scan them immediately. Scan them in immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now, I think Chile still gives you a little paper after even after they stamped you, um, they give you a little paper that must go into your passport, it must stay there. But it doesn't yes. look like something that you have to keep. It I looks it's like, like a, a little
3: receipt, a little receipt
2: or something, so you can yep. just chuck to them. No, yeah. no, 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 sir, that thing will stay there. Yeah,
7: yep. So and it'll get you in trouble. And the other thing is that when you um, go to leave, yeah. yes, if you don't have yeah. it, they are yeah. not happy.
2: Yeah. So Argentina doesn't stamp your passport anymore, going in or out. The problem like is. Her. Yeah, yeah, but the problem is you have to show. So if you get on a bus, you want to you leave to the country on the bus, you have to show.
3: You have to prove to that prove you came, where you came into to, the yeah. country.
2: So you have to keep your, your, your so ticket. Keep, yeah. yeah. Keep your flight ticket or your entry ticket or whatever you keep. You have to keep that.
0: What do you mean? What if you rode your motorcycle in?
2: You have
3: to. Then, you, then you can use your motorcycle papers. Uh, they accept that. Uh, but if you've flown in, uh, you have to show either your boarding pass or the ticket. Pass ticket yeah. Or, or the. the right. yeah.
7: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So un- under this banner here, just to wrap things up, is there anything else that we we didn't talk about that you guys think we should mention here?
7: What to do with your bike if you're injured? Mm. What do you want to do with it? Can you afford yeah. to abandon it?
2: That that comes back to the first thing. Try not to go on a trip of a lifetime with a twenty thousand dollar BMW that you've just bought and financed. Or thirty
7: thousand dollars now. <laughs> 30, yeah. now yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, well I'm I'm gonna defend BMW here. It could be an awful lot of brands. Come on, Mignus yes yeah. there's, there's others well. i'm just i'm just he team.
3: owns a bmw I own, so i know
4: he I own, doesn't that's what I I <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um no i mean seriously that is a very very good point and you know for countries that require a carnet why would you be traveling there on a brand new all singing all dancing motorcycle that costs an absolute fortune and your carne is going to cost you an absolute fortune for as well and what happens if you're traveling in that country and there's a breakout of a disease or there's a war or whatever else it is and you've got to leave it behind can you really afford to leave it behind if you're running on a carne wow that's going to be expensive
7: yeah Yeah. outrageous (laughs) if you if that happens to you in some place like india or egypt where at last record the uh the duty was 500%. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a little steep for most of us. Um, and there's a guy who is going to drive a Ferrari on the Silk Road. Oh. Seriously? Seriously?
2: Yeah. The cost for that is staggering. Yeah, so we nearly lost our motorcycles in Bolivia. After all the chats, after all the talks, after all the COVID things, we've been there. We did everything possible. Possible with every single authority that we were able to do it with to make sure because we knew that stuff was going to happen. The bikes, even an attorney because in COVID time we had an attorney present, they still wanted to confiscate the bikes at the border.
0: Mm. Yeah. <sighs> And I mean, and you're mainly worried about the fact that these are, I mean, these bikes, they're not super expensive because you have the DR650s, but oh. they're, they're sentimental. You don't want to lose them. Yeah. No, yeah. for sure.
3: No. Now, Michnes well, was preparing, yeah. he's going to push gonna them burn. onto the bridge and he's going to have a burning party. And I'm all like, all no, no, <laughs> I really want my bike stolen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and in Egypt, in Egypt, the same thing happens. We nearly lost a motorcycle in Egypt because of the same thing. We had to, to store the motorcycles there. Um, because else we got hurt and then we went to we um, got the postalized forms and doctors and everything and the people that was that the form says don't worry everything is fine you got to the border one, one official one official said nope. no he doesn't think so yep yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
7: Yeah. 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 too much um, individual option there and yeah. Yeah. you know what that means really is that they Office. really want something um, inserted into your passport as an incentive yes. yeah yeah, I know, but it, it happens. But again, back to the point of the discussion is, if you're injured, what do you do with the bike? How do you deal with it? Can you afford to abandon it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to abandon it? And what they're... do you want to tell your family to do with it? I mean, if you've got a, a DR650 and you're dead, tell your family, just forget it, just leave
4: it, ignore no, it. Definitely. There are some countries that won't allow you out because your bike's been stamped into your passport and you're not allowed to leave the country without you almost cycle. Think,
7: yeah. Unless you're mm-hmm. leaving in a coffin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably don't worry about it then. Yeah. Well, Mexico but, yeah, is…
2: The, no, I think, sorry, to, to Mexico, if you… if Let's say your bike burns, whatever happens to your bike, you have to get the remains of that bike out of that country. You can't leave it
7: there. Yeah. Same in… Yeah, same in Russia. Well, general, yeah. Generally, the… Mm. the thing is that you have to report it to the police the police have to sign it and the police and customs get together and sign your carnet yes. and that is generally enough however if it's a country that doesn't use a carnet like Mexico mm-hmm. that's a whole different ball game and well you've come up with what the latest is last I heard was that you could abandon it there at a police station and that was the way of getting out of it but yeah. Uh, generally yeah you got to <laughs> deal with it so and so make sure people know what to do with it you know something I, else I to think, think about. Yeah, you know, I think
2: uh, at least now Mexico, you like, they take a 400 dollar deposit, so you just forward your $400 deposit and bugger off, and just never go back to Mexico. Yeah, just leave <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> just leave it. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's not good advice. We don't give you good advice here. We're just saying, you know, just. Not, <laughs> <laughs>
0: not there's no the
4: disclaimer. <laughs> anything <that's> else
0: under <laughs> emergency preparedness that uh, that we yeah. want to talk about.
4: Just briefly going back to um, health for a second, um, having a plan B in advance is as good as possible. So, in, you know, make sure we've discussed this on Raw before, but there's, I think it still fits with what we're talking about. And that is um, making sure that your medical details are easy to access. So, allergies, medicines that you're taking, blood group, et cetera. And, you know, it's it's finding out the things that, you know, like um, the emergency number. For each country that you're traveling in, and load them into your phone. So, that, and you know, that way you've just got to press a button and um, have a, a laminated card in your wallet with all of those details, including your insurance company's telephone number, your policy number, and the insurance company's yeah. email address on that card, yeah. too. Um, Excellent it's, it's, advice. It's just those little things that mean sure. that if things do go pear shaped, yeah. you've got a chance to, to make things run smoothly.
2: So, there's, there's also a lot of, um, in countries, there's WhatsApp groups now popping up all over the place. And I, I for one, I don't like it because I don't like 700 million um, messages coming from WhatsApp at the same time. And, and you go through those uh, WhatsApp groups and it's just rubbish at there. But there is benefit in it if it's a well-run group um, that if you want, if you are in trouble, that you can quickly go on there. And it's like you, most many times there's locals on there and people that's actually traveling and understand that the uh, the lingo or the stuff that's happening in the country to get um, advice or help or something like that. So um, that that is a big benefit of WhatsApp. Now it's just like I said, I don't like it because there's just so many. If there's a thousand people on a WhatsApp group, that thing is just too busy for me for my liking. So I rather just not go on only. But there's a big big benefit for people and solo people to travel when they you know to having that.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the Horizons Unlimited Communities if you have a problem too. Exactly. Yes, you yeah. can check in that way. Yeah. And that, that can be huge. And that these are motorcyclists who want to help and want to connect with travelers passing through.
2: Yeah. And luckily, um, uh, Grant, you guys have managed that to be source data rich, not talking nonsense rich. Because that, that's also yes. a big, big problem of many of the groups <sighs> that dissent into <laughs> everything except... Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, it's quite yeah. difficult
7: to find info, yeah. yeah. we keep it focused. We work very hard at keeping it focused and keep the junk out. I mean I spend probably an hour a day on Facebook just making sure that the spammers don't don't get in. Just mm-hmm. keeping out the spammers for an hour a day. Ha! Huh. Grant, that's so that's, that's you, is
4: it, that never lets me put adverts my book out there?
7: No commercial advertising, period. That's it.
0: Michelle, did you have anything for in here?
8: You know, I don't. I think everybody's brought up some really good points about just staying um, alert, in contact, informed, and really doing what you can to prevent so many of these things, taking good care of your health um, and planning ahead and communicating with your family and loved ones. I think those things are all just really important. I think for me, it's about considering the possibilities and taking the time to really fairly assess that Um, And make sure that you're prepared as much as you can be. And I know, you know, it's not anybody's, you know, favorite thing to think about the worst case scenario, but I really think taking some time to do that is considerate of your loved ones, your travel partners, um, you know, people in your life and citizens in other countries. So it's, it's worth that time
4: do you yeah. michelle you just made a really really good point i think um if you do all of that stuff before you head off uh, out on a trip it means that you're not fretting about it when you're out there you're able to just focus yeah. on what you're supposed to be doing out there and your family are able to do that too yeah, well, I yeah your family true. worries a whole lot less about you if they know that you've prepared
7: you got a plan yeah
0: yeah exactly yep. makes sense well, I, I think we should move into plugs. We've been a little long here, I think, uh, on our conversation, but that's okay. We'll we'll move into plugs. I'm gonna start with Miknis. Miknis, what do you have to plug?
2: Well, no, check out check out our stuff. We've got new gear coming online. Uh, there's new stuff we're working on, so uh, if you have time and you and you bought, check out, out the Kana stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with with Turkana, you say you have new stuff online. So, you, can you tell something that, that maybe the public doesn't know? Some sort of little insight that would be, you know, a, a, like a, a leak.
3: Our tank bag bases are in production. <laughs> yeah, if
2: we put the tank bag, the modular tank bag bases. You can basically molly any any other pouch or size of pouch onto a tank bag base. Um, that you could That's also quick release, um, so, and there's no zips on them, so it's a roll top. Um, so it's it's a little storage, but it can it can also act as a tail pack.
3: And we created little pouches that can hang on the side from the from the tank bag. We've done a tail pack that you can use existing bags and just put it on the back of your motorcycle. Yeah, and the, yeah.
2: the the hip whips, the, the saddlebacks. Yeah, the big saddlebacks now is quick release uh, onto a plate system. So there's a lot of stuff. That's why we in Cape Town, why we had to come back with, um,
3: Looking to, after to do production, some
2: of that yeah. and all just oh, stuff. Yeah, and it's quite fun. It's really fun. I love the designing. We've been doing it for, for 14, 15 years. So it's really nice stuff. And
3: we're slowly trying to cross over into 4x4 and into the bicycle market as well. So a lot of our developments, we're just changing into more lightweight so that we can that it's adaptable across all the playgrounds.
0: Fantastic. So you're going to make it like a larger set of Turkana bags to go over like a 4 by 4 so you know, Correct, maybe over top yeah. of a Jeep and down the side, oh, oh. all yeah. Yeah.
6: yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> you guys you guys have just had a um a bit of a coup, haven't you? I've seen on online that you've you've just been announcing some some pretty special news. Something to do with the GS trophy.
2: Yeah, that was that was uh, uh, quite nice there. The GS Trophy qualifiers, I don't know... In, yeah, so in it, South Africa, yeah. So yeah. This one was, was specifically in South Africa. And uh, I think each country have it at different times uh, in their countries. But the South African uh, GS Trophy team um, asked us to make special uh, gearbacks for all the 130 people that's involved in the in the qualifier. So, we, oh, wow. so yeah, yes, it was quite nice. We, we made them with special fabrics for them and...
3: And um, it, it was so well perceived that it will now become one of our products that yeah, we'll so keep in stock. In stock. Yes. Nice. Oh, very nice. nice. That's cool. Nice. Uh,
0: Alcibi, yes. what do you have to plug?
3: Oh no! I'm just the one in the background doing all the work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm the trophy husband. <laughs> what was that, Mickness?
2: <laughs> I'm just the trophy husband. I yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, what have you got to plug? Um,
8: I think with the holidays coming up, it's an it's a natural time to be um, thinking of gifts for people. And, um, if you still have the time and haven't filled out your Christmas list or what have you, maybe think about buying a book from a motorcycle author. Um, I always think that's a great gift idea, not just for the holidays, but birthdays, et cetera. So, uh, my books can be found on amazon.com. Um, And so I'll send a link for that, but also I think any author's books are a great gift. And I, I'm a fan of expanding your motorcycle memoir library. If you have the opportunity and those of your moto friends.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic. And it is that time of year. Yes. We got to talk about that because this is out on the 21st of November and moving into December. So it is our it really, it's our one chance at that time of year where uh, many people spend a, a fair bit of money on, on doing things like a Christmas stuff, but it's an exciting time for many people. Shirley, what do you have?
5: What Michelle said. <laughs>
0: really? <You> know, Michelle <laughs> and your books are?
5: Did you know, Michelle. Ours are with Amazon as well. And um, okay. yeah. And this time of the year, that's probably the most expedient way that you'll get them. Before Christmas, what are the without, titles of your books? Uh, Two for the Road, Circle to Circle, and The Long Way to Vladivostok. I forgot. <laughs> 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 Short term. Where memory. was okay. that, to? These days.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: Brian, what have you got?
1: Yeah, look, I, I'm going to uh, have a shout out to all the people that were involved in the Motorcyclist Awareness Month that we ran here in Victoria. And over the MotoGP weekend, which was fantastic, and uh, the crash cards that uh, we had produced, uh, hopefully they'll be rolled out across the country after a meeting I had yesterday with a little bit of luck. Um, but also coming up, it, it, there's quite a few people have been doing it pretty tough in these economic times, and um, I want to give a shout-out to all the people that organise the toy runs, which a lot of motorcyclists get involved in at this time of year particularly in our part of the world, um, there's quite a few events going on. Give generously to these organisations and, you know, not soft, fluffy toys, but I know food stuff and things like that might not be very sexy or appealing to a lot of people, but I could tell you there's a lot of people really struggling out there at the moment that can do with a, a bit of a helping hand. So bikers, get out there and do some riding for other people for a change. Um, the Melbourne Toy Run is on the 15th of December. The uh, Bensdale over in the East Gippsland area is on the 10th of December. The Geelong um, Toy Run is on the 3rd of December. I'm not sure if this will be out by then, but um, I'll be pushing it around um, with people. The, and the one at Phillip Island is on the 10th of December as well. And there's a lot of organisations out there that um, uh, are, uh, rely on these donations And there's a lot of good people in the motorcycling community that support them and help organise it. So get out there, buy a few bits and pieces extra and um, have a great day doing it.
4: Nice one. Very good. Sam, how about you? Uh, Well, I mean, Michelle and Shirley have said it, but um, yeah, books. um, They just make such great Christmas presents. And mine, either direct from me um, on sam-manicum.com Um, Or from Amazon. Um, Audiobooks too. But um, a little heads up on here. Audible have disappeared um, into Africa and under Asian skies. Um, They've been disappeared now for about six weeks. And my goodness, what a logistical nightmare trying to get them back. I'm told it's going to take a couple more months before they're activated again. It's um, ridiculous. Oh, it's it's so frustrating, and it it's it, you you just get bounced around all over the place, and then you get sent yeah talk to this person, talk to that person, and each of those people take a few days to get to answer, and then they don't answer the question, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The things that go on behind the scenes they're challenging, mm. but hey, um, it's just like another dirt road. You've got to take a good look at it, and then Oof. work out how you're going to ride it, and in the meantime. Um, they're still available from iTunes and from Spotify and Distant Suns and Tortillas and Totems are still up with Audible and iTunes anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, there have been some great new motorcycle travel books that have been coming out in the last couple of months. Um, so yeah, go hunting. Um, what fantastic Christmas presents for people. Um, yeah, um, enjoy.
7: Yep. Or treat yourself for sure. Okay, Grant, what have you got? Well, I won't push books because everybody's pushed them quite adequately.
4: Oh, you could push right. Michelle, Shirley, and, uh, and Brian's and my books if you like, Grant. We'd, we'd be happy. <laughs> yes, get out there and buy a book. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't got one of these guys'
7: books. What's wrong with you? Well, done, uh, you're missing out. <laughs> absolutely. I can't think how many of I've got, uh, that I have myself. It's just it's a scary number of books. Anyway, um, yes, we haven't got anything too exciting, just... Start looking at the events page, horizonsunlimited.com slash events, and have a look at the calendar for next year and start planning your trips around an HU event. Make it a destination. Ride across a continent. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere different, somewhere exciting. Try something else, and you will be well received as a foreign traveler and You'll have a great time at the event, so try and get to an HU event next year. I'm sure people will be happy to have you, and you'll be blown away if you've never been to an HU event before because they are very different from a motorcycle rally. We call them traveler's meetings, not motorcycle rally. It's very different. I think you'll like it.
0: And the website is horizonsunlimited.com. Mickness and Elsa B, thank you so much for coming on. That was great fun. I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and we had a blast with you. Thank you. Thank, thank
3: you, thank you, so you for having
7: Thanks us. Nice. Good having you with us. Yeah, too, right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> great fun
3: thank
0: you well that wraps things up then for november thank you very much everyone great time as always michelle thank you so much for working so hard and staying up so late i mean yeah, wow. you, actually you're probably at the point now where the people are going to be getting up probably. and starting Would. having breakfast straight down for you.
8: I, I wouldn't have missed it i'm so sorry i was late thanks for letting me be part of it
0: oh thanks so much thank you everyone well, that wraps things up for this month's ARR Raw. And thank you to my co-host, Sam Manicom, starting with Sam Manicom. He lives in the UK. He's got four books and audiobooks that follow his eight-year motorcycle journey around the world. His website, sam-manicom.com. Shirley Hardy Ricks and Brian Ricks are from Australia. They also have published their own books on motorcycle travel. You can buy them wherever you get e-books at their website, aussiesoverland.com.au. Michelle Lampfair is a motor traveler that also has a couple of great motor travel books, the butterfly route and tips for traveling overland in Latin America. Both of those titles available on Amazon as well. She has a motel for us motorcyclists and anyone else called the Chalet Motel. You can find out more about that at chalet motel custer.com. And of course, Grant Johnson is from horizons unlimited, which is the hub literally for our adventure motorcycling community. Horizons unlimited has tons of up-to-date travel information as well as a huge forum of dedicated travel Travelers that connect you with other travelers. They also put on the Hub Meets around the world. You can see a worldwide list of Hub Meets at their website, horizonsunlimited.com. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time. Oh, and don't forget, if you want to get uh, your question or a topic suggestion in here, drop by our website. You can also look at the show notes. I have some more information in here, adventureriderradio.com.